Hi, welcome to Pod of Mercy. I am your host, Long Hair Linda, and today's special guest co-hosts are... Me, Dave, And Dave. Yay! <laughs> That's about as smooth as it's going to get on the internet. <laughs> it's about as smooth as it's going to get when I was too involved in anything. I, was just, I feel sorry for you already. <laughs> well, I'll start with you, Vix. How are you doing today? How are you? Have you been uh, well? I am absolutely fantastic, Linda. I am... Still in my pajamas, as nice. you do when you're still in lockdown. Um, enjoying not being in the office. How have you been? Same, uh, and also in pajamas. How about how about you, Dave? How are you doing? Literally the same. Just sitting in pajamas, drinking coffee, writing notes for this. That's all I've done. Nice, nice lazy day. Amazing. Well, as you can tell, if you're listening uh, from the title, we are going to be talking about 90 Day Fiance today, but talking about season one in particular. So um, this is the second time I'm doing this format. Uh, So hopefully this is something that you guys will enjoy. We won't be doing the rapid fire um, or the Mahakama segments just because we're talking about TV. So let's keep it uh, on that. But obviously I would love to have Vix and Dave on another time, on another episode so that we can do a rapid fire for each of them and uh, get their takes on random shit that I find annoying. (laughs) So let's get started. So season one of 90 Day Fiance, I had never, just a bit of background, I had never seen 90 Day Fiancé before. Both Fix and Dave love 90 Day Fiancé. They've re-watched the first season. Um, I watched the first season and we're just going to have a chat about it and um, and see how it goes. So, season one, episode one. So the first couple that we're introduced to are Alan and Kirliam. I don't, is that how you say yeah. it? Kirliam. Yeah, Kirliam. Oh, Kirliam's my favourite, I think. She's such a little sweetheart. Same. I absolutely love her. Um, We first actually see Alan. So Alan is a Mormon from LA and he is 29. Uh, Kirliam is from Brazil and she's 21. So they were engaged for a year and Alan did the job of introducing the K-1 visa. So the reason this is a whole 90 day thing is the K-1 visa in the States allows you to enter and stay for up to 90 days. And in that time, you have to get married. If you don't get married, the person has to go back to wherever they're from. So Alan and Kirliam met during his travels to Brazil, uh, only spent a few days together in person. But to me, Alan looked genuinely like in love with her. Like he just looked smitten as he was talking about her. It was so cute. Yes, he is so adorable. He actually reminds me of Greg from the Menzingers um, in facial wise, but they just seemed so in love for the very minute he mentioned her and his wee heart eyes. I just, I want to keep them forever. They're like little pets. I think they're probably my favourite couple from the first season, to be honest. Like, definitely. definitely, They're the least annoying, I think. The one that I've followed for the furthest way, but I think that first episode is really what the show's about and what you want to see when you meet them and Alan's telling you how much he loves her and how worried he is about her coming over. And I just think it's really loving and nice. They're just really sweet. And I love how terrified she seems at all times yes i love that about her 
<laughs> but um yeah no it definitely seemed like super wholesome and because i mean he met her while he was on a, on a mission as a mormon and I, I don't think it gets more like wholesome than yeah. that it just seemed really cute um and then of course when she arrived they just looked so happy together it was just a very very cute little couple of scenes um into being introduced to them as a couple next mm-hmm. couple were mike and aziza so mike is from cleveland and he's 31 aziza is from russia and she's 21 this one was a bit different so they met via a language pen pal type of website so you sign up to learn a language and you kind of pair up with somebody from the place that you you know you want to learn their language i'm guessing and they were kind of friends at first um more on that later (laughs) but uh, mike went to russia and spent six days with her we we then see in the next scene that he spent all his tax returns and refinanced his house to pay for all the stuff that was involved in getting her over and he just he says that he ends that scene saying he's just completely in love with her so at this point we hadn't actually met aziza yet what were you guys' thoughts on mike I thought it was a wee bit overwhelming to start with when he was going about how he'd met her for six days and she was 21 and he was madly in love. And I was like, oh God, what's what's going to happen? But, yeah. you know, he's he's not the worst. I think he, um, the way it was edited definitely came off a bit strange, but he, was, he seemed a bit much at that point, I think. See, I wasn't a massive fan of like his energy. Like in general, not just because he's bald, and I don't think any bald person <laughs> should be respected, but I think he was quite embarrassing to watch. But he gave me one of the funniest moments of the whole season. I think he's got one of the funniest moments, and I don't even think he realizes how funny it is. There's a bit where I'll oh, wait till we're talking about that by the episode because it's really funny. Like, and I don't want to like spoil it. Oh, it's okay. I'm actually interested to hear what that is because that doesn't come to mind off head, but um. Because <laughs> no it's not intentionally funny, but it's just one of those things that every time I see it and I rewatch it, I'm like, look at this fucking chud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, for us non Scots, what the hell is a chud? Just a wee goblin headed fanny. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> like, what's. I, how would you explain. Like, just a wee just fucking like, nuisance? <laughs> it's like wee baldy energy in it. Like, wee baldy goblin energy. Like a bit of like, chewing gum with a face on it. Yes. Or like the last bit of soap. You know when you're getting down to the last bit of soap and it's getting smaller and it starts looking like a face. You're like, I used to live next door to you. I know who you are. <laughs> like, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have a great time doing the captions for the clips for this episode. This is going <laughs> to be a ball. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're actually quite cute after the fact when you get past the fact that he's weird. It's true. No, you're right. You're very right. Because in that moment, I was like, oh, this guy's a bit weird. Like, she's 10 years younger than him. He's, But then I was like, maybe he's getting suckered as well because he's spending all of this money that he doesn't have. I was just instantly like, hold yeah. on, something isn't right. There's a big red flag because he's got the exact energy of when someone says to you, I'm going to watch a TV show about a guy that's marrying someone from a different country and it might be for a green card, but they might be in love. He's what you picture. Yeah, you're like this guy you're not wrong well who i didn't picture uh the next couple the next couple we were introduced to were russ and paula russ from oklahoma is 27 and paula the stunning paula from columbia is 26. russ lives with his parents uh, and he says that <sighs> when paula arrives they'll also be living with his parents together 
They met while he was out in Colombia at a party. He said he fell in love at first sight. And Paula has never been to the US. That was the first sort of introduction that we had to the two of them. Then we had a quick little ad break. And then Paula arrived and they were making out. Like they kissed a lot in the airport. It made me uncomfortable and they were on TV. Like it made me uncomfortable as if I was there and that kind of PDA was happening in real life. And yeah. I was like, oh, get off each other's faces. But I mean, yeah. you know, okay. And then Paula says something at the end where she says um, she's never dated anyone like him. And I was like, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm Isn't not he a surprised ginger Yes. Yeah, I, that's not quite a, a common thread in life, I don't think, for most people from Colombia. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say ginger cowboys are probably few and far between in Colombia, so she found one. With a faux hawk as well. I, I don't know. I really, really love Paola, but I feel like Russ was an idiot right at the start. Can you imagine looking at her and being like, look at you and all of your beautiful curves. I love you. I want to reproduce with you. Come and live with my mum and be force-fed bacon. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god we are gonna yeah. talk about the bacon thing <laughs> that was crazy well his fucking his weird dad who looks like a blockheaded puppet from the 50s like some quarterback just sits looking there with liver spotted ears like it's got skin on it you know oh my god well, they're so when weird says that the bacon is sometimes hairy in Colombia, like visceral bulking noises <laughs> yeah somebody like... and when they're like Bacon is very American. You will like it. Is that a threat? Are you threatening me, sir? Right. That's honestly, that's literally in my notes when we are at that meal. Because I'm like, what the, what the, I know people like bacon, but are you joking? Like, what the that's hell? That's the kind of anyway, thing we'll that, that they we'll say to, to Russian spies. Like, when you're sending a Russian spy to America, that's like their last mission. Like, this is bacon. You have to like this. This is very American. <laughs> you have to fit in. Do you know what? It would, honestly, at this point, nothing would surprise me. It might be the case. No. Um, so then we cut back to the lovely Alan and Kirliam. So Kirliam arrived. They looked super happy together. Kirliam's English isn't the best, but it looks like Alan speaks a little Portuguese because I think we cut to a couple of clips where he was talking to her on uh, online and yeah. in Portuguese. Then it, oh, God, the, the sweet, the very, very, this sweet girl had never used the dishwasher, washing machine. Mm. She'd also never driven either. She did look like a fish out of water and, and it just continued that way. I didn't think it would continue that way, but every episode she was in, it's like she was learning something to bless her. She's so sweet. Just... Introduction clips when she's washing the dishes in the wee outside sink. She looks like a little Bambi. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, bless you. Do you not think culture shock must be like waking up from a lifelong coma and realising that you've just been lied to the whole time? And you're just like, what? There's just a machine that will do that and has been here the whole time? I just couldn't have it. Okay. Like, that must be wild. Mm. So, yeah, I that has to... It must feel like a waking up... It's got to be like a whole different world. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's mad. I can't even imagine it. Then we have another little ad break and then we go back to Russ and Paula. Russ booked a hotel room for their first night together in the US. Thank God. Uh, Paula says straight away, 
she doesn't want to live with his parents. <laughs> like in the interview, she's like, I, she's not even met them at this point. She's just like, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to live. And fair enough. You're 26. You're coming over to another country to get married. Like you're doing grown up stuff and they're telling you you have to live with the pet. No, that's not, that's not going to happen. Um, no. But she does say that she wants to make a good first impression when meeting them. And they're clearly very into each other because they're still very kissy kissy and just looking at each other all doe eyed and gross and shit. <laughs> no. love love I, guys I love it <laughs> it is gross to watch I do that thing where I kind of resent it I'm just like oh look at these two being in love that's cute yeah. <laughs> but I'm like a like a five year old boy in that way I'm like oh cuties gross stop kissing when I can see it to be honest I think I'm, I'm pretty much the same way it. like I love when people like are into each other I'm very happy for them and all of that but I really I just don't want to see that much saliva being exchanged like it's just a lot the odd peck is fine but just chill out for a bit yeah i think there's definitely levels to the pda you can have a kiss and a cuddle and then there's full-on like soft porn going on there's public displays of affection then there's public exhibitionism and there's a very thin line between both of those because people yes. will just go wild sometimes because they know people can see you. And you're like, relax, bro, we get it. Like, we get it. Just shut the fuck up. I mean, go I away. think the difference is, like, the crotch distance as well. Because if you're having, like, a passionate kiss, it's close yes. crotch. But, like, an outsidey kiss, you don't have to be quite so close crotch. But they do quite a lot yeah. of crotch touching on TV. And I'm just like, mm, no. No, I've honestly never thought of it that way. I've never looked at how close crotches are, but from now on, well, like, if, you I about, absolutely if you think will. about leg, posi- if you think about leg position when you're facing someone, yeah, she's kind of right because they do. They're always like leg in between leg, leg over leg. Like the body language is always very like fling it in me. <laughs> to put it any other way, there are those couples that are so enamored with one another. They're like, if I touch you close enough, we will become one. And I think that's very sweet, um, in its own way, but. I also think that I don't want to see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's. I think that's more the case. I just, I'm not interested in seeing that much of it. Happy for you. Great. Love that for you. Just please chill out. Speaking of, well, no, I can't do a transition to this. We went back to Mike and Aziza <laughs> after this. And um, we go we go to Mike and, and his family and friends are expressing their concerns about how unlike him this whole thing is, especially that mm. Aziza had actually tried to get a work visa and was denied in the past. And basically that it seems convenient that now she wants to get married to him. Now the relationship has gone from friendship to romantic Mike is very adamant that that's what he wants and it sort of cuts away from that and that was really the end of that. I mean, fair enough. I would have, literally, that was the first thing that came to my mind when we, when I heard about the work visa thing. Oh, she tried to get yeah. a work visa while you guys were friends. She was denied it and now you're romantic? Mm, okay. On the plus um, side, though, it does, like, it just shows that she's willing to work and she's not here just for the free ride. Like, because a lot of them are like, you won't even work when you get here, you can't work till we get married. Like, a lot of the seasons further down the line, people have focused on that a lot. But I think it's kind of a positive that she would just, like, you know, I'm trying to contribute. Like, I'm trying to go over there and work. Like, I'm not just trying but to be there. I think that's, that's what I think. Yeah. But I think if you're trying to marry for love, it probably doesn't sound very positive. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think if, um, if you were moving somewhere, the 90 days especially seems so short. So even going on a work visa and moving in together for a couple of months first, 
you could always have the intent to get married, but just not want that boundary quite so close. Um, because I think 90 days is terrifying when you think about it. Like That's hardly any time. Yeah, it's like three months to go from long distance to three months of living together and then getting married and it has to be done within that three months so it's not even like you get the three months oh that's Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's hard that's tough it's even just introducing somebody to your family your friends getting a wedding plan finding a dress in three months in a brand new country where you probably don't speak great english i think that would be terrifying so i've got a lot of respect for the people that do it for the people that they love but oh I can imagine that people would probably look for other routes first because being that restricted time-wise would be a, a massive pressure on your shoulders, I think. You imagine that you'd feel pressured to progress a relationship as well if you know you have 90 days to feel like you're committed to life to someone or it's just like, yeah, back you go to when she came. And it's a bit like, no, that's kind of mad. That is kind of mad. Yeah. And if you're, because I know that there's like, you can't go back for like 10 years if you've been deported. But I don't think it's that they deport you if you then have to go back, is it? That you just go back? No, you just go back. They deport you, right? If you overstay your visa is when you get deported. But this is just if you don't get married, then you just go home kind of thing. But in the later seasons, there's a couple of couples that bounce back and forward before they make the decision on K1 visas. So I think when you get the K1 visa, you can go over for the 90 days. And as long as you leave, it's got a, like, a couple of years validity in that 90 day period. Um, so I think there's the option. You can go back and then try it again. But even that's a lot when you consider the flights out of America and how much they cost. Yeah, that's a lot of expense, definitely. Yeah, but at, least, at least it's something you can do. At least it's an option. Like, I don't know, man. It's just 90 days is really not long. It's really not long. I think a lot of the couples haven't even known each other that long as well. And even yeah. just yeah, some saying, are like, we spent six days together. Like, what? And they just know they're in love. Like, oh, oh, that's, I mean, good for you. But um, we go back to <laughs> Ross and Paula. <laughs> we, go, we go back to Ross Plus and Paula. <laughs> and uh, Russ takes Paula to meet his parents and his brother. Yeah. Um, the family basically expressed their concerns um, previously that she might have been using him in the car. Well, we hear that. I think it's in his interview. He says that, like, you know, the little backstage confessional thing. Yeah. So while mm. they're in the car on the way to meet his parents, they talk about greetings. So he says to Pal, you know, in Colombia, you kiss on both cheeks. But in Oklahoma, it's, you know, it's a handshake. Or maybe with my mom, you can give her a hug kind of thing. Like, if you know the person, you can hug them. But when she arrives, the parents, both parents, like, look really happy to see her. And they do both give her a hug, to be fair. So it wasn't as awkward as he kind of made. He kind of forewarned her a bit too much, I think, in the car. It was a bit much. Yeah. I think it would be hard not to, especially if you brought somebody over to a completely different scenario where like, this is not normal, please don't kiss my dad on the face. Because um, <laughs> I would probably be quite stressed in that scenario, but I I think it's obvious that she does really love him. Like right from the start, as soon as you see her, she's smitten, she gets off the plane. So I'm not surprised that his parents love her as well, but I think everybody would worry a wee bit. Especially, they're not from like a. They don't seem from like they're like a, a major part of the city. They're from like a wee small town, and he's just got like 
the old American ma with that stereotypical old American mum hair and glasses. And his dad looks like a like a Von Erich, essentially, like an old school wrestler, just like this old dude, big ears, stupid little howdy doody haircut. Like, did he seem very American? Well, yeah, I mean, it is it is a southern state. It's very southern, very, um, mm, I'm going to go with the word traditional just so that I don't cause offence. And he Middle America. And he does make a point of saying right. that they're very conservative as well. He does make a point of saying Oklahoma's a very conservative place, you know, that his family is quite conservative and even though his friends, the people around him, everyone's pretty conservative in that area. So, yeah, I mean, that is fair. Like, don't go around kissing, <laughs> kissing his dad in the face, as you put it, Vix. That's fair. Yeah. Um, all right, well, then we got back. I might start greeting your mum like that. She might knock you out, to be fair, mate. <laughs> <laughs> then we go back to Mike and Aziza. Mike actually organised for Aziza to fly into New York, which I thought was so cute. Mm-hmm. kind of turned me around on how creepy I initially found him <laughs> he arranged for her to go to New York because she'd never been to America before so he said what better place than New York and fair enough because he's from Cleveland and from what I've heard Cleveland might be nice but it's not it's not a New York it's not the glitz and the glamour that somebody you know from abroad who's never been to the US probably wants to see mm-hmm. so he then goes to New York to pick her up And yeah, he says, what better way to see the US? So he does reveal in that scene that they haven't consummated the relationship. Aziza has been wanting to come to the US since she was 15. Uh, And she does in this scene admit that the relationship became romantic after her work visa was denied. But because she's so matter of fact, when she says it, I just, I laughed. Like I had no, because I was like, she's, she's very, so Aziza is like very matter of fact very introverted you would think she is so rude but it's just she she just like keeps her cards close to the vest kind of thing she just doesn't she's not super expressive there she laughed maybe five times the entire season like she's just very stern and matter of fact and just no to everything she looks like i think the way i always saw her i keep saying i think i think frequently apparently um but (laughs) The way I always see Aziza is she's like a dictionary with legs. She knows English really, really well and she can answer questions well, but there's no emotion behind it. Yeah, like so the whole way through no- the season, I was like, you are, you're a brick person. You're like a little robot. And then That's a really she kind of, yeah, she opens up towards the end, but the first couple of episodes, you're like, do you have any personality or thoughts or feelings? It's like she learned a second language but hasn't picked up context or empathy. So she just says a statement like, are, are you pursuing a romantic relationship because your visa was denied? She's like, yes, but not for that reason. You're like, whoa, whoa. But they say it so matter-of-factly. But it's not because she means it. I think she, that's how it comes out. Yeah, it's definitely giving not hugely self-aware in terms of not hugely concerned about how others view her, I guess, which is actually mm, a really yeah. great trait, to be fair, because you can you can go too far the other way and be too concerned about what people think. But she's just really not bothered about how you interpret the information. She's just going to tell you as it is. And yeah. it's very interesting to watch. I mean, even when they actually meet up in New York and, you know, they're at the airport, it just looks so awkward. And I, initially I was just like, mm, okay, guys, uh, you're going to either have to do a better acting job on this show or, like, mm-hmm. just, this is not well, okay. 
Um, that's what I wrote down in my notes is that they, when they're uh, first initially meet, they're really embarrassing, but it's because they're just very awkward and they have like the social diversity of dish sponges that are just sitting next to each other and there's nothing really, but it's just because that's who they are. Yeah, I mean, we realise later that that's really their personalities. Like, they're just yeah. like that. And they're like that together. And I guess that's why they work together. But initially, I was just like, oof, okay. Because especially because we cut away from that and we go to Alan and Killiam. And they're so cute and just, like, innocent and just so, like, heart, almost, like, wear their emotions on the heart of their sleeves. They're just very, like, ah. And then he's, like, taking her to Hollywood and she's all eyes are open with wonder looking out everywhere it just it's such a contrast yeah. i think between the two couples that's just very very interesting to me i feel like aziza is looking at america because she's already seen it through media or a textbook and for her learning she's got that wonder of a whole new world so it's like two different moods moving into america somebody who knows what to expect and somebody who's just like what do you mean i scan my own shopping that's insane oh. That scene was my favorite. That was yeah. The grocery shopping is so good. Between I that and her losing, <laughs> that gift, that her losing her mind over the Johnny Depp cosplayer on the street too. Oh my and god! She's just like, I love him. I love him. He's just like so worried. Like, don't touch her. Yeah, and to be honest, I started getting feelings of like weird kind of jealousy tendencies because he was quite like, I mean, it was clear that he was being protective. I got that. But like, I also felt a bit off with that. I was like, you realise she's not going to run away. Like, she's just not going to run away with this Johnny Depp impersonator on on the... I forget that he's a serious Mormon though. So he's probably like... Like it's a big deal for him to be like in love with someone like that. So he thinks that's a thing because Mormons are just very... So he's like, this is my wife. This is going to be my wife, Johnny Depp. Man is touching her. Whoa, <laughs> fist shake. <laughs> <laughs> Down with this sort of thing. Yeah, that, I won't be having any of this. There's a very naive kind of je- innocence or jealousy behind that, I think, because... He's never really had somebody love him and he's never loved somebody in that way. So he looks at her as if she is the son. So when other people are near her, he's just like, no, that is mine. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Then we go to a very uncomfortable first dinner for Russ and Paola with Russ's family. Russ's mum says that the joke was that Russ wasn't supposed to go to Columbia, fall in love and bring a girl back home, which is so awkward because she just says it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tension she... between Paola and Russ's mum already uh, in shock horror. And Paola really just really doesn't want to live with his parents and wants to find an apartment ASAP. Like that yeah. night, if she could. <laughs> You would, though, if you moved into somebody's house and immediately they were like, you were what he wanted and not to do. You'd be like, get me out of here. These people are going to skin me. Right, right. Just all just Essentially, bad. though, a Colombian model or Brazilian model has arrived in Oklahoma to a man she had been waiting to shag for an entire year and two melted candles and denim overalls are stopping her. She's furious. <laughs> She's furious. And rightly so. <laughs> She's just like, well, you guys get out of here. And the mum's just like, well, I don't know. It just seems like something them hosers next door would do. And you're like, get out the fucking house, mod. <laughs> and she's just there all the time. Like, oh. 
it's just not good. I feel kind of bad for them, but at the same time, I'm like, you invited that, bro. You were like, yeah, we'll stay with my parents. That's a great idea. I just yeah. can't imagine the Mental Olympics behind even agreeing to move in with somebody's parents at that point. It's, I understand you're trying to save money, but do it in a different way. That's terrifying. Yeah, perhaps don't buy $3,000 cowboy boots. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that scene honestly right we'll get to it but um right <laughs> then we cut back to uh to alan and curliam he gets his best friend to come and chaperone them so that they can continue to abstain before marriage so his best friend sleeps on the floor alan sleeps on the couch so that's you know again big contrast ross and power like very sex 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 now kind of thing whereas alan mm-hmm. and kelliam are like obviously very much in love but they're very like no we're both mormons this you know we're not going to be doing anything like that hey best friend come and sleep here at night to make sure that we're not tempted then we cut to um mike and aziza before the end of the episode and one thing that i really really loved that mike said which again put me back onto sort or put me onto his side a bit was that he reveals that he bought a um he bought Aziza a round trip like round trip ticket yeah so that she doesn't feel yeah. trapped there which I just thought okay I'm sold cool he's not the creep I initially kind of started giving yeah. that he was he's no he's he really does give a shit about this girl which is great that's when I kind of turned on him as well I was like yeah I decided I quite like you now because you've made her feel that she's got an option to leave and she's not trapped and can't go anywhere because I feel like especially with the the bigger age gap couples that I often feel like you've essentially trapped a wee girl bro that's really weird don't do that the age gaps and the fact that the money that's being spent on this stuff because he's also you know he's having to spend all this money spent all his tax returns refinance his home you mm-hmm. can use that as a way of manipulating and controlling somebody so the fact that he's got her return tickets is basically saying you you don't uh, yes all of this stuff is in place yes we've decided to do this but you can ch- literally change your mind and go home that's on your terms type of thing you're safe yeah yeah i love that so that was the end of episode one. So just to sort of surmise, uh, so in the arrivals, Alan took Killiam to Hollywood soon after she arrived. Sure, he lived, you know, he lives in LA, but took her to Hollywood, yep. walk of fame, had some fun and that. Uh, Mike had Aziza flying to New York. That's by, by far my favourite arrival to see the sights before going home to Cleveland. And Russ booked a hotel so that uh, he and Powell could spend their first night away from his parents. So, so far, Russ is losing uh, on the uh, on the yeah. planned arrivals. But, you know, I'm sure he can turn this around. So, yeah, let's uh, let's move on to episode two, if you guys are ready. Yes, episode two is culture shock. It is culture shock. So we get started with Russ and Paula. So Russ breaks it to Paula that his parents... Uh, expect them to sleep in separate rooms and that does not go <laughs> over well with her at all <laughs> which i mean fair it's bad okay yeah. it's bad enough that you 27 year old man are saying you want to marry me 26 year old woman and you want me to fly to the country that you live in we will get married in 90 days you expect me to live with your parents and also in separate bedrooms what the fuck? The preserved kids' bedroom thing that a lot of Americans do is so creepy. It's big horror movie vibes that she's yeah. still got all these toys up. Ooh, 
No, Listen, that that would give me the fear. I would be out of there. If you fly around the world and someone takes you up to their bedroom, you get up there and there's pictures of them playing like Little League and their first pair of shorts on the wall and their Toy Story bed, and you're like, no, bro, I don't think so. This is not the boudoir you promised. Can you please put that Dallas Cowboys lamp in the cupboard? Definitely just creepy, weird, all of that. And also, they've been in a long-distance relationship for how long? They finally get to be together. And what you're saying is, like, even put the sex stuff aside. Sex is obviously important. But you're saying you can't even sleep in the same room. Like, you can't even share a bed. You can't even... You're expected to, like, separate at night. Every night. It's just not okay. Um, then we get a new couple. New couple, Lewis and Aya. Yeah. So, Lewis from Indianapolis is 33 and Aya is from the Philippines and she is 30. Um, Lewis was married once before and has joint custody of his two sons with his ex-wife. And that is uh, Lewis uh, Jr., who is 10, and Donovan, who is 6. So, uh, they met uh, because Lewis saw an ad for a dating site and met Aya on this site. They spent two weeks together in person and straight away the term male order bride is thrown around so much lewis is very much like she's not a male order bride she's not a male order bride asks his children have you heard the term male order bride before has anyone said anything to you in school if they do say that she's not a male order bride, it was just very like all right guys chill (laughs) this is very weird it's when the kids are hanging out in the jungle gym and they feel she's not a male order bride and the two of them are like yeah sick can we go and get a fizzy juice (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. don't understand what you're talking about but I feel like the gentleman doth protest too much he went on about that a little bit too much yeah. at the start but to be fair though didn't his ex-wife bring it up that fucking soup bone in a wig she is aggressive her eyebrows are aggressive she uh, she definitely did bring it up later on uh, she is an interesting woman so yeah. that was that was very weird. Like the boys were clearly very much like we're literally just trying to play. Like I don't, I yeah. don't know what any of this means. I am not interested. <laughs> Can we? Can I quite play? like his kids. They're just stereotypical little turds, aren't they? Yeah, they're just very boys. <laughs> they're just little turds. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give much of a shit. And and well, to be fair, I get it. Their dad's asking them like to care about this woman. They're like, yeah, can she do a Batista bomb? <laughs> <laughs> that's you all you care about taste. when you're a 10 year old dude can I wrestle her and if his dad says no it's like okay cool next I don't care. <laughs> right exactly then we cut back to Alan and Curliam Alan is teaching her English and he's labelling items in the house he does worry about the culture shock for her and then takes her grocery shopping so this was my favourite favorite scene i loved it it was brilliant like explaining like canned beans these are beans can canned beans okay and then it's like the jars of like ragu and he's just like right tomato sauce right you know when you don't want to make it it's here in a jar it's just like she's looking at him like what the what it's just there It's, it's honestly the sweetest thing and then the selfs can she says, why do I have to go and scan it myself? Which I'm like, you know what? You make a good point. You definitely yeah. make a good point there. But I love that. Um, I loved it. Every part of it. The self-checkout. Everything. The fact that he was like, do you want to try? And she's like, no. <laughs> Which is being great. It's her face at that point. Because she's like, do you expect me to do this? I've come all the way here to work in this checkout. And you're like, no, no. It's 
just our shop and we don't work here. Yeah, it'll be a fun experience. She's like, nah. It's not fun though, especially not when you go shopping with Dave because he just throws all the things yeah. and doesn't put them in bags. I, I, I don't, I don't like um, self-scan anyway. Actually, I say that I'm, I'm, I'm much better with it now. I don't mind it now. Um, only I'm not. Because in the pandemic, I preferred it because queuing up has been was was more awkward. When, especially when we're in Aye. because they changed the queuing up system. You can't just queue up at a till in my local Asda. Yeah. You have to, you know, go and stand on the side and that queue is just horrendously long. So it was just easier for me to go to self-scan and I kind of just got over my annoyance of doing it myself. But I totally get where, where Killian's coming from because it is just like, wait, what? Why do I have to do this? I don't want to try this. You do it. I'm watching you kind of thing, which I thought was funny. Then we had an ad break and we went to Russ and Paula. So Russ took Powell to brunch to meet his friends. Also a great scene. It yeah, looks like it's going well. You know, they're talking about, she says, Powell, call me Powell instead of Paula. Um, and so they're like, pow, 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 as in like shooting guns. And she's like, oh, in Colombia, we say tas, 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 tas. And that kind of, whenever she sees his friends again, they kind of say tas, tas to each other, which is very cute. But yeah, so it's all going well, great. Everyone's talking, but then, you know, she's drinking and she's drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking <laughs> without eating. She's definitely a lot more wild and free than the conservative people of Oklahoma. Let's say that. She's she's more free. <laughs> yeah, she's she's an independent woman who is proud of her body and showing it off. And I know, she's just got a bit of a big head about her. I think that's why I like her so much. She knows that she looks good and that she's funny and she runs with that. And I think that's what he loves about her as well. I think that's what his mum and dad don't like about her, though, because she's brash enough to just be like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, but could you put your arse away? And she's like, no. Stop I don't even think they particularly they don't like her. It's just that she's something a bit different for your standard Oklahoma girl, as Russ does keep reminding you every time he gets interviewed. She's just not like the standard Oklahoma girl. She's not what I expected, but I love her so much. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought... Thought he's getting a country girl from Colombia that's gonna come over and toss cow turds with him. <laughs> yeah, it is it is definitely. I think the parents, it's not so much that they don't like her, they're just really not used to her. They've they've never met anyone like her, clearly. And she's even his friends are, are taken aback the more that she drinks. They're kinda like, Ooh, okay, cool. But obviously they're you know, they're younger and yes, they might still be conservative and whatever, but they're kinda just like, All right, well, you know, this is how she's this is how she is. But that's my favourite thing about her as well, Vix, is that she knows that she's beautiful. She's but she's not conceited in in any way, from what I can see. She's just she's no. just aware of her gifts and her talents. <laughs> she's just like, I'm a hundred percent gonna use them and she's still nice to everybody, which I'm just like, I love seeing people like that. I love she that. She seems like such a genuine girl, which is one of the, the reasons I like her so much. She's one of the first people from the show that I started following on social media. And even her socials are so like positive and fun and she talks a lot about like personal training and well-being and feeling your best self and I just think she's a genuinely sweet person she is a little bit mental but she just has got a big sweetheart energy about her she's one of my favorites of all of the seasons yeah I definitely can see that she's um yeah she gives good vibes for sure then we go back to uh Mike and Aziza so they're now leaving New York they're going back to Cleveland 
Mike hopes that Aziza likes their home, the home that he purchased before he purchased it, you know, to start his sort of life there. Mm-hmm. Um, he put his clothes in the basement to make room for her stuff in the closet upstairs, which again, I was like, this is adorable. This is quite adorable. Yeah. And he also has the cutest dog ever. And yes. still no sex. No, no sex for those two. That night they went to bed as friends. <laughs> See, this is where the made a point of talking about (laughs) one of the. This is where one of the funniest. When I said it's like one of my funniest things that happened in the whole season, is there's a bit where I don't even think anyone's aware of what's going on until you look at it and you're seeing. And he's sitting there with three t-shirts on and a button-up denim shirt, talking about shagging like he's passed the parcel. That the parcel was a man made of sausages with a big. Wait, 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 wait! (laughs) Hold on, is that in episode two? I think so, but he's sitting on the edge of the bed and he's talking, but if you look at his collar, he has like, honestly, it seems like an endless collar line of like 15 t-shirts under his shirt, and he's just sweating like fuck, and he's like, we haven't actually been intimate, and she's looking at him like, what is this ham? Where did this ham come from? Oh my god, I'm going to have to go back and look so at it. so many t-shirts, <laughs> honestly. It's foul. Oh, I don't remember that, but I am going to go back and look for that now. <laughs> every time you look at look at Mike's collar, every time you see him, he, he has like an undershirt, a t-shirt, a t-shirt, and in this case, it's like a light blue denim shirt. And I'm like, that has a lot of layers, bro. <laughs> oh God, bless him. Then we go to uh, Lewis and Aya, so the new couple, the fourth couple. Lewis drops kids off to ex-wife Tanya's house, so we meet Tanya. She's a character. Uh, she's, yeah. She does sit down at one point, though, when they're sitting down and talking. She does say to him, why Why did Aya want to move out the Philippines so bad? And he says, oh, you know, she doesn't. And he'd move over there if, you know, if he didn't have the boys. And then Tonya comes back with, well, why the international dating site? And to be fair, that makes sense, right? Because if... Yeah. Like, you can't say that she didn't want to leave the Philippines if she's on an international dating site. Like, because that's going to be a possibility. If you want to meet people from a different country, it's a possibility that you're going to eventually move to that country if you guys get into a relationship and want to start a life together. So she she made a great point there. I didn't want to give it to her because I don't like Tanya, to be honest. And the term mm. mail order bride came up again and she's concerned for the boys' well-being. Lewis is saying, I'm still prioritising them. But, you know, she she pulls one of her faces at that. One of her faces. She's like a potato and a wig, isn't she? She's just the human embodiment of the word sweaty. Yeah, she looks like uh, the Ramones drummer. She's got like a pudding bowl haircut like her mom did it and it grew out. And she's really upset about it, but she can't tell anyone. Wow. She's upsetting. Unnecessarily nasty, Tim, the whole way yeah, that that's... part. And she's like, well, is she a male order bride? Well, even if she was, what difference does it make? Leave her alone. She has the opposite end of jealousy that Alan has, because Alan's got that, like, oh, I've never loved someone, I'm a Mormon, this is going to be my wife, please don't touch her. Whereas she has, like, that's my ex-husband. Are you trying to scam him? I bet you're trying to scam him. Like, she's just got negative energy about the whole situation because she's not involved in it or controlling it. Yeah, it does seem like it's more about control than it is concern. 
I understand when, you know, when you have kids with somebody and they're, they're having a new partner and that partner is going to be around your kids. I get that. You're going to, it's natural to have concerns, right? Especially mm-hmm. if the person's coming from a different country, you're doing this whole K1 visa thing. So that it's like 90 days and you're going to marry them. And yeah, I understand that there's going to be concern, but it did come off more of, I'm not in control of this situation. I'm going to try and make you feel shitty about it. That's the vibe. Yeah, I've she has to control it. his anxiety because she can't control the situation. It felt like, or at least create the anxiety she could then right. get her hands into. Right. Yeah. That's that's. Yeah, I got that vibe too. I didn't. I was not a fan, as you can tell. What so, was? I, I wrote something down. I called her like El Viral Mattress of the Damp because she was like a weird. She's she's got this sad energy about her. She makes me very unhappy. <laughs> God. Do you think it's really rich of anybody to assume that Aye. girls are moving to the US for money when they're moving in the guise that Lewis, who literally doesn't have a couch without a hole in the middle? Seriously, like, not even just Lewis, that, right? Lewis but, really doesn't have any money. Like, he does not have any money. Like, it's it's Aye. literally not for money. The audacity, not even just that women have came from other countries or around the world, the audacity to look at anyone's situation and be like, look, I'm going to tell you what you should be doing. And you're like, no, you're not. Well, first of all, you're not in this situation and obviously chose to leave it in the first place. Like, so you don't get to just like keep stirring. Yeah. And honestly, we'll talk about it more after, but honestly, I got even more pissed off when I found out that she had remarried. Cause I was like, well then why are you, why are you pissing all over his parade then? You're, you're moved on. What the fuck? Uh, She just seemed, just that she didn't want him to be with anybody and the deal was that he was supposed to be single and look after the kids and that was it. And he'd somehow changed the game up and she was annoyed about it. But there was just no need for her to behave like that and no. or have those eyebrows. So it was just inappropriate <laughs> behaviour at all angles. Not and all have those eyebrows. Do you not think that eyebrows facilitate the fringe, though? Like, you can't have one without the other. No, because I had one of those, like, I fell in seriously and did my fringes. And I've always had eyebrows. Yeah, you've got some eyebrows. You don't need a six-foot gap in between them. No, but hers necessitate it. Like, she fucked her eyebrows up so bad if she didn't have the fringe, you'd be like, what the fuck has gone on here? It might, she might, her eyebrows might be a casualty of the 90s and 2000s when it was in fashion to pluck your eyebrows to death. Comic Sans speech marks. It might just be that they don't grow back. Like, I don't, maybe she's not even continuously plucking them. Like, some people, it just doesn't grow back. Like, I still have certain areas where it's just like, I'm going to be thin over here. That's just what it's going to be. So, my mum's got those coma eyebrows. They circle with a tail. Yeah. It's so I've I've heard someone else say um like sperm sperm eyebrows. Yeah. Tadpoles. Yeah, tadpoles, exactly. Anyway, so we go to my uh, other favourite scene, which is Russ and Paula go shopping. (laughs) First of all, which made me cackle was that she seemed to absolutely hate everything Southern. So she's just like, this is not my style. She's like screwing up her face. She's looking at the belts and the hats and stuff. She's just like, oh, no. But then she goes for the most expensive cowgirl cowgirl boots, which you mentioned before, Dave, which were 3K. She says that more expensive is more beautiful, which, again, 
hilarious she's just so funny to me um she also gets a shirt a belt and shorts <laughs> like she gets a whole bunch of stuff after saying that none of this stuff was her style which again i just appreciate and russ ends the scene saying she's gonna empty his wallet which fair yeah, she's gonna hurt his check with for some shit to be fair to her though he really wanted her to get into it so she played along with him and it just so happens that everything in his budget was ugly <laughs> so that's on him really he should have had it's a bigger not... budget or went to a nicer shop yeah it's not her fault he can only afford ugly although i have to that's say the, the market for those glittery pink cowboy girl cowboy cowgirl boots cowperson cowboy boots. girl <laughs> anybody can wear a cowboy boot but is there a big yeah. market for those do they sell a lot of them in oklahoma it I feel like there's a lot of professional wrestling. Stuff. There is a lot of like they've made them girly for the girls to to buy and wear at like line dancing and shit. Like I feel like there is a market for it in Oklahoma though. Like it has to be. Well, states. You got to get gussied up in your best butterfly cowboy boots to go watch the dog racing and stuff or whatever they do. I was going to say girls for the south wear like summer dresses with cowboy boots, don't they? It's very much a thing down there, so I suppose they must be. But I can't imagine polishing my best. Tea dress and cowboy boots and that little special bag is very in fashion. We watched the we watched CS to the dress and that lassie wouldn't get a dress that didn't match the stains on her cowboy boots. She was like, I need one that matches this like this peachy colour. They're like, What? You're gonna wear those boots? She was like, Yeah, they're my cowboy boots. Wow. Like that was her thing. That girl was gross though, because she kept saying she had cow poo on her boots and she was in Kleinfelds and Randy was really stressed out about that. I hate well, um, yeah, anyway. I guess you can't just turn up to buy a wedding dress with poo on your boots. That's not fair. I just, I feel like maybe just don't wear the boots at all, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> you're just, you're anti cowboy boot. I'm just anti the boot. Like, I'm a boot girl. I love boots. I love a good ankle boot. I love a good knee. Linda says no to cowpokes. I'm a big fan of boots and I absolutely despise cowboy boots. I just, I've always had and I don't know why. I just don't like them. But anyway, I digress. Then we went yeah. over back to Alan and Killian and he takes her to uh, stay at his parents' house so that they can keep their vow of chastity because his friend Kent is now too busy to keep chaperoning them. So they'll still be spending the days together but he will take her over to his parents place to sleep so there is very clearly initially a language barrier alan's mum is trying to have a conversation with her through alan but then alan has to then leave and so she starts doing the thing that people do when you can when they you can't understand each other she starts speaking louder and, and slower so she's like so it's just like no no no. she can hear you she just doesn't understand everything that you're saying so that was yeah as if she just magically understand if, if you go really slow and really loud but sure um both parents do seem very sweet though and at the end of the scene his mum also says to her mi casa es su casa which is spanish but it is very close to portuguese which is uh, yes I Google translated it and it is Niña Casa is Sua Casa. So it's very, very close, which is which is nice. I thought his parents were kind of cute. Like they made an effort in that. Yeah. Very, very sweet parents, I think. 
I just um, liked how they immediately kind of like ushered her in and his mum was like, I've got no idea what you're saying and you can't understand me, but you're my daughter now and you're safe here. And I just love that energy. It's very like that old homely energy. Um, yeah, very I, I loving. Get, I've got a lot of love. Very loving and very nurturing, which I, I enjoyed. I loved seeing that. It was very cute. And I guess, you know, people that are like super religious like that and not insane tend to be very sweet and nurturing like that anyway. So it was nice to see to see that. Then we cut away to Russ and Paola. They go to a bar and Paola tries to learn how to line dance. More on that later because there's an ad break. And then we come back to see Alan and Killian, which will be the morning after the first night at Alan's parents. So first we see Killian because she has to then stay alone in the house as his parents have to go to work. Um, she reveals that she hates being alone. She's clearly very homesick, um, misses her family. She's And then I was like, oh my God, she's only 21. Like, and she's crying and she's clearly so homesick. She misses her mom. Yeah, it was just, I, I got a little bit like, oh. A little choked up. I didn't cry, but you know, close. I've tried, I think, at every episode we've watched. I get so emotional about it. But I feel I feel I would feel the same. I always get really homesick when I go away. And if you've never even left your mum for a holiday or any time away, it must be terrifying at the age of twenty one to move into a whole new society, a whole new world without anybody to get old on with you. It's a big step for a wee person. Definitely. I mean, I've I've lived away from home since, I mean, on and off, but since I was nineteen, and mm. I only I live in Manchester, and I grew up in like London, Essex area. I still get homesick, and I've lived in Manchester for seven years. <laughs> I'm still, and I'm very adult. Like I'm, and I still get like, oh, I want to go, you know, see my mom and chill out and stuff. And that we're talking about two hundred miles, not brazil and los angeles like it's not it's mm-hmm. so i can't even imagine how hard that must be for her she, she's a very brave girl doing what she's doing when really they're get. so young as well my wee sister's only 23 and in my head she's still a tiny baby i still call Char- charlotte the wayne um even though the wayne now has a wayne of her own but I, she's my tiny baby going to a 21 year old moving across the world to get married I'm like oh no and I don't need to look after you definitely um okay so then we cut back to Lewis and Aya Lewis goes to the Philippines to get Aya they seem very very in love Aya is very sad to leave her grandmother that one kind of got me a little bit choked up especially when the grandma told Lewis to be a good husband to her I kind of went oh like just a little yeah. <laughs> it was very very cute very sweet and just just cute cute all around and then we cut to Mike and Aziza Mike takes Aziza to meet his parents oh god this was a very hard yeah. watch a very very hard watch I honestly just felt so bad the whole time watching this so Mike's mum has prepared, you know, a massive spread for everybody and effectively are trying to force feed Aziza who keeps having to say no to food and it cuts to Mike doing his um, interview confessional thing and he says that she doesn't really like seeing people other than him eat, like watching her eat, basically she doesn't like other people to see her, her eat if I could get that sentence out yeah. she doesn't like other people apart from him to see her eat is what I was trying to say 
and so she's very uncomfortable clearly she has some kind of disordered eating i'm not going to diagnose her obviously um but she feels uncomfortable let's say that and then mike's mum is clearly very like doesn't understand it clearly he hasn't told her that before so she's very much like uh you don't want to eat my food do you not like it like she's clearly taking yeah. it very personally and I, I was trying to put myself in 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 her shoes because in everybody's shoes really but in her shoes because i'm thinking okay so now you're filming pretty much for the first time crew's coming to your house your son and you know this this woman who's going to be his wife from a whole new country is coming to your house also you you're making all this food you're probably already nervous and anxious and all of that kind of stuff and then it is very custom for like it's a very mum thing to be like here have food and they were obviously constantly trying to feed you yeah. and here have more have yeah. more and then from aziza's point of view she's like oh god i said no this is already very uncomfortable i don't know how many other ways to say no i don't want to do this and it was horrible to watch from start to finish it just ugh. i don't know how you guys felt watching that i was highly uncomfortable just it was to me it was weird because like Coming from like a bigger family, like feeding people is like something you do when you love someone. Like you feed your friends, you feed your family. Like it's like a. But I think a lot of the time people forget that other people maybe aren't as comfortable with it, or people have a hang up. So there's people watching the meat or eating certain things, or it's a weird. But it, it was just weird energy, and it wasn't very. It wasn't very fun to watch, but it was very interesting. If that makes sense. But, yeah, I mean. You'll both know yourselves because neither of you eat meat. Sometimes you go somewhere and whether the person you're with has forgot to notify the host or it's never been brought up, there's nothing really appropriate you can eat and you just politely like, oh, it's fine, I'll get something after. So when somebody does keep asking you, it makes you feel awful. But that in a whole other country on TV, um, I, I don't know how she sat through that. It made me feel secondhand embarrassed. And I was sitting on my couch cringing like, oh God, please just eat a bit of corn or something so they'll stop asking you. Yeah, it was it was tough. I mean, as a vegan, I do have to, well, at least before, I did have to turn down a lot of stuff. Like if I went somewhere and they didn't know ahead of time that I was vegan um, and I got, I was fine with that. I never felt any type of, of uh, discomfort in, in saying no or asking for something to be made a little bit differently for me. I've never felt that way. When I did feel uncomfortable though, was when I was waiting for gallbladder surgery. Um, I had to modify mm-hmm. how I was eating and I really couldn't have anything with oil in it. I couldn't have anything with fat in it because it would, in, it would uh, cause an attack. I'd get very, very sick pretty instantly and it would last for hours and there was times where while i was on the waiting list i was having to go to a and e constantly to get help um and i was very worried i was going to end up having to have emergency surgery so i took it obviously very seriously i was like having to especially at like you know family things having to be like i cannot eat that they're like yeah but we made sure to not make it with meat and i'm like i don't think you understand i literally can't eat that i can like there's oil it's been made with oil i can't have it i'm sure it's delicious any other time i would love it but i I cannot and it did get to a point where at that point it felt like i started to feel uncomfortable because it felt like they were already making concessions for me (laughs) because it was vegan and now i'm still not eating it and like yeah so that was so i could i guess i could relate with her in that sense where i was like because i can't even just take a bite to make you feel better i'm I'm not going to make myself ill to make you feel better and at this point you're looking so disappointed and i'm just like oh 
So that, I mean, that's not a great scene. <laughs> but that's pretty much how I feel as well. I was a fussy eater um, pretty much all my childhood. And then when I first went, like, veggie, my family was right, okay. And then when I went vegan, it felt like another thing. So it was just one thing after another. And I felt like I'd already asked too much of certain people. Um, and that definitely gave me a bit of a complex about food, but I was like, oh, I always have to ask people to make changes. So I, I associate a lot with how Aziza must have felt in that. It, it makes me feel cringe inside, like that proper like soul chill that somebody's standing on your grave. Don't like it. I get that. Yeah. Like, when I was, I was vegetarian in my 20s for a few years and I ended up stopping and just eating meat because I was tired of explaining to people that I wasn't vegan and I'd eat some stuff. And now I just don't eat meat but I still occasionally do milk. But I ain't had meat in a while. And I don't really miss it. I don't really mind it. But I feel a lot... I don't really feel anything when I tell people that I'm just not eating whatever I'm eating. I'm just like, I'm not going to eat that, bro. Yeah, I think it definitely makes a difference as well if you're so introverted like she is. Yeah. Because she is very, like... Like, she's just not open like that. She really isn't. It's got to be shell shock as well, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, she just, all of a sudden, she's there, and all of the things, like, if you're just put in, like, a trigger point room where you're just like, oh, no, food, possible future husband, new in-laws, noise, dogs, ah, mail order pride, what am I doing? And they keep asking you, you're going to, like, just, everything's getting attacked. That's got to be terrifying, kind of. Yeah, and your instinct probably would be to just shut down and just... Yeah. And I think that is exactly what she... She was just like, nope. At one point, one I thought she was just going to get up and leave. I really thought she was just going to yeah. go. I think people forgot at that point that she could understand everything they were saying because in the scene in particular, I feel like his mum is just like, well, make her, eat, make her eat something. It's like, she speaks English, bro. She can, she can hear, hear you saying, saying, make me eat this. Yeah, yeah. she's right there. <laughs> like, she's um, not deaf. Very, very weird. Very, very weird. Um, but then we cut back to a, a slightly uh, funny scene, so it kind of lightened the mood a little bit. Russ and Paola get back from the bar, and Paola's in Russ's room trying to get some. And, um, yeah. She, like, sneaks into his room, which happens to be above his parents' bedroom. So he's like, no, but you really have to, like, leave. And he's, like, freaking out. And she's like, no, but please, just a little. Um, and Russ is like, yeah, yeah, we need to get our own place. So at least, you know, she got him on side pretty quickly. She didn't have to uh, convince him too much that they could not be living with his parents. No, I don't imagine anybody would need much convincing if they had a Colombian supermodel who was just like, please bang me. Yeah. It's not a bad life to live, is it? To be fair. He's living good. So that was the end of episode two. So in that we got the new couple, uh, Lewis and Aya. They look super in love. So I'm really, I was really looking forward at that point to like seeing, you know, the dynamic between Aya and Lewis's kids, especially with his ex-wife Tonya as well. And boy, was that a treat. Uh, so episode three, we start off with uh, Russ and Paula. Uh, Paula's just like she just doesn't want to be at Russ's parents' house. She gets up in the morning for breakfast. She's wearing, I thought, reasonable pyjamas. It was literally just shorts and tank top set, which I Mm -hmm. wear all of the time unless it's freezing cold. So I don't know what the issue was with that, but that apparently wasn't appropriate. She had to then go get a robe to come back to the table to have breakfast. 
And as you mentioned before, Vix, they made a massive deal about bacon. Bacon is very American. You should have bacon. And she's just like, oh, you know, like she's her answer is very reasonable. She, well, any answer to not wanting to eat something is reasonable. But she says, you know, back in Colombia, I think because when I was having bacon, you could see all the hair and stuff on it. And that, it's just put me off. So I just don't eat bacon. It's not that she said no one else could eat bacon, but they seem to take it personally. <laughs> like, yeah. But the other point that she makes is that it's like streaky bacon and it's got fat through it and she doesn't like eating fat, which again is completely fair because the texture of bacon fat is that weird greasy chewy thing. Not everybody likes fat, even people that eat meat. But the American thing with the bacon is, I think it's like inherent in their culture at this point. They're like Americans love bacon and guns. But I think that was like a an early 2000s thing as well, like around the time. Do you not remember there was just bacon on everything around 2014? Like there was bacon. Yeah, spread. like bacon epic time doing the bacon yeah. stuff. It's I mean, just I so guess, but it was very much like the mum was like, oh, you're going to need to cook for my son and you're going to need to make him bacon. And it's like, she said she doesn't want to eat it. It's not that she's not going to cook it for him. And also, what's wrong with his hands? If he really wants it and she doesn't like it, it's not like he... Right. It was just very, you know, it was very Oklahoma. Let's say that because there's a word. I it's very Oklahoma. It's a word that I want to say, and I just don't want to offend anyone. So I'm not saying it. So, um, sorry, I know the words you mean. Yeah. So then, then we cut away, thankfully, to Alan and Curliam. Alan takes her to uh, the salon for trial wedding hair, and then Curliam says the cutest thing ever. She's only oh. ever had her mum cut her hair, which I was yeah. just like, this girl could not get any cuter. Um, she is adorable, isn't it? She is absolutely adorable and gorgeous as well, but also just very adorable. And she just seems so lost in that salon. Very, very cute. But we'll go back to the salon later because we cut away to Mike and Aziza. They have still very much not had sex. Uh, Aziza clearly wants to wait. Another day has passed. He's like, another t-shirt. <laughs> another day has passed. It's like a bit of a countdown, wasn't it? It was like, yep, still not happened. Aziza wants to wait. Mike is clearly very, very ready. Aziza just seems at this point just crazy uncomfortable, not into it at all. And I was a bit worried about the dynamic there. I was just like, okay, I don't know how this is going to work, but sure. Then we go to Lewis and Aya. Aya goes into the house and they're talking about the cleanliness of the house. And yes. uh, apparently she's like, you said you would have the house clean for me when I got here. They walk in the door and when you walk in, you walk into their kitchen. She looks at the sink, there are dishes in the sink. And at first I was like, what's the issue with dishes? And then I remembered he's been in Phil- in the Philippines. <laughs> so those dishes, he's yeah. in the country with dishes in the sink. I cannot, I cannot. I, I ca- Honestly, I got anxiety watching that. I, but at the same time, I genuinely like really enjoyed the realness and the human side of this couple because he's just like, yeah, the dishes have been there because I was there seeing you. And she's like, oh, that's great. Why does the couch feel weird? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. There's just a big <laughs> fucking hole in it. Well, we shoved a cushion in that big fucking hole so you can sit on that. <laughs> and she's like, excuse me? <laughs> they filled the hole with a cushion. That was honestly, right? I remember cackling at that. That was very funny. Chef's kiss. Yeah, like, there's a hole He there. justified it by saying that, oh, we don't <laughs> sit on it often unless the boys are around. And it's like, still, dude, fix it. It was it's like funny. saying if your toilet breaks, you're like, I don't really flush it often only when I'm peeing, so I'm not going to fix it. <laughs> It was honestly just very, it was very funny, very also gross, um, but very funny. We should say for people that obviously 
aren't looking at it as we're talking. Literally, as you open this man's front door, the front door opens and the back of the front door hits a sink full of dirty dishes. It's just right at the front fucking door. Yeah. Dirty <laughs> it's so good. have been there since before he went to the Philippines to get her. Like, it's been it's been somewhere, like, a, at least a few days. It's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> like... It's like the audacity of that that really gets me because I know if I'd done that and my mum saw it, she would slap my head clean off my neck. Like, mommy must just be like, there is no way I'm going to be at the airport, right? Check in, you know, drop off my bags, walk over to the gate, get on the flight, sit down, waiting for it to start taxiing so you can take off. And I'm just going through all of that with dishes in my sink? No, I would lose it. I would lose it i would be put on a no-fly list the moment i remembered that there were dishes in the sink because i'd have to get off i'd have to get off the plane and go home and wash them because there's no way there's no way i can imagine leaving the country with dirty dishes in the sink it takes two seconds to wash up it's really not that big of a deal it's different if you're running to like the shop to get something and there's a couple of dishes you can get them when you get back yeah if you're popping out that's cool you get the cups to the philippines though I had a flatmate when I was in um, uni who went back to Spain and left his dishes from Bolognese in the sink. Because we were all students, we were like, hey, none of us are cleaning that. The smell that the sink permeated after like day six. I just, oh, no. Since that day, I've never left a dish sitting. I would rather clean every dish in the world than smell a smelly dish just once. Oh, I quite, I think washing dishes quite stressful, even though like so I look forward to it. Like that's part of my morning routine. Like I genuinely like it. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm not a huge fan, but I just do it as I go so that it doesn't pile up. I I, I hate the. It gives me anxiety when there's too many of them. I'd like to just yeah. do it as soon as I can. Um, and if well, I don't do it straight after, like, because normally I like to wash up as I'm waiting. Like you, you know, when you're waiting for certain bits to cook, for example, you're making something. You're waiting yeah. for certain things to cook. I'll wash up everything that I've used so far that is not in currently in use, so that literally all that's going to be in the sink while I'm eating is the last pan or whatever it was. That's the only thing that's going to be in the sink. In addition to then when I finish eating my bowl or plate or whatever. Once and then, every to three be months. fair, I will usually wash up as soon as I finished eating before I go back upstairs to my room. Like I just, it's just habit. There might be times if I've had a bit, you know, I've had a bit to drink. I'm cooking in the middle of the night because I'm absolutely drunk and I'm making something to yeah. eat. Then I will wash those in the morning because there's no way I can even focus. But there have been times when I've woken up, I was blackout drunk the night before, cooked an entire masterpiece, drunk, and washed up every single thing. Don't remember doing it. I just woke up in the morning thinking, oh shit, I need to go check the kitchen. I go to the kitchen and it's clean. And I'm like, what? How did I I'm do I use Low every coffee mug in the house kind of guy though. Like I'll forget that I've got a cup of coffee and make another one. So by the end of day one, there's five cups of coffee. And I'm like, what have I done? Oh no. Oh, stress. Yeah. That would give me so oh, much stress. That's probably why I'm so stressed though. <laughs> it might be that. I just create mess. And I'm like, oh, this is a good stress reliever. Create mess. <laughs> it's the water bottles for me. I'll leave a trail of water bottles everywhere I go. You're building a raft, I'm concerned. Are you planning on sailing somewhere? <laughs> so between the two of you, there's water bottles and coffee cups all over the all over the place. But not all and over the place. I'm literally looking at two coffee cups and three water bottles right now. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, there's Jeez, a coffee cup that says bitch please right here next to her water bottle. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, is there actually like no. remnants of coffee in both cups as well? Because that's very strange. uh this one has about a mouthful in it and that one's three quarters full. Oh no. Yeah. Oh god. Okay, I need to move on. That's very stressful. Um, <laughs> so uh, then we go to uh, Russ and Paula. They go to view an apartment, which is very fancy. It has a jacuzzi, a pool, a gym, a sauna, all sorts of stuff. Pal absolutely loves it. It costs $1,100 a month. Russ is worried about the budget, but, you know, Russ wants, you know, happy wife, happy life. So he just says, yep, cool, let's do it, which I was a big fan of. Then we cut to Alan and Killiam. The hairstylist gives Killiam a contact for a modelling agency because, uh, duh, she is out of this world beautiful. And um, when she later tells Alan about it, Alan is clearly very worried. But he surprised me because I was worried about his jealousy stuff before. Mm -hmm. thing. But he is just like, yeah, okay, we can call the number. And I was just like, oh, okay. Maybe I was wrong about you then. Fair enough. Um, he's very supportive I think he yeah, tries always to yeah I, I just got a wee sweetheart vibe off from the whole way from the start and I love that she comes home and she's excited and he doesn't particularly want her to do it but he still supports her with it's something that she's found that she wants to do in America and it gives me wee heart eyes I go on about them all the time to everybody that will listen yeah it was definitely very very cute then we go over to Mike and Aziza. So they go to view a potential wedding venue. Aziza thinks it's too small and not fancy enough. And to be honest, I get it. It was very dark and dingy and weird looking. She was even saying it looks more like a conference space. And I was like, you know what? Even for a conference space, that might be a bit... Oh, I don't know. I didn't like it either. So I got where she was coming from also wants to try the food because he says that he loves the food there aziza again has difficulty with the idea of eating and actually leaves the table this time she goes to the bathroom and then she comes back a bit later adamant that she's not going to try the food and she says in an interview that the venue again looks more like a conference space which it really just it was not that's not a wedding venue to me to me i didn't like that no it was a bit dingy and sad for a wedding I think I always imagine like a lot of light in wedding venues and that did not fit the bill. It seemed like yeah. it had one window and the walls if I remember correctly were like a dark red colour so it was just very dark and just yeah weddings to me like are always very light very airy you know it's up mood type thing and this place just kind of seemed it was giving pub it was giving going to a pub and they have a sit-down bit to eat your food. That's what it looked like to me. It looked like yeah, a bowling was... club almost. It was I elderly, like it aged badly almost. Like an Elks Lodge that they just rented for the weekend. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it, actually. It was, yeah, it was very, very lodge in the middle of nowhere. Just, yeah, not wedding. I think we're all agreed. Definitely not wedding venue. No. Um... Then we go to, oh, this was a scene, uh, Lewis and Maya. So they go to dinner with Tanya and Tanya's husband, Wally, um, which is funny. So yeah. they basically revealed that they were holding on to a bit of a stereotype about people from the Philippines based on someone that they once knew who had disciplined their children with violence uh, without their, you know, consent. And... 
yeah so straight away they were like oh you know we that's what we were holding on to which i thought okay fair play for admitting it but maybe use that as a way to apologize but okay sure fine whatever tommy then started talking about birth control and how they by they she means tonya and lewis when they were married had talked about not having more children so at that point, I'm like, what the actual fuck does this have to do with you then? Because you are no longer a they. You are split up. You have your two kids. If you decide you don't want more kids with your new husband, that's your decision. And if Lewis yeah. decides that he wants kids with his new soon-to-be wife, Aya, what the fuck does that have to do with you? I was so irritated at that point. Like, that's that psychotic, possessive mm. shit, though, isn't it? That, like, my family, I have a child with you. If you're going to add to this family, I should be consulted. No, you fucking shouldn't. Shut up. Like, for her to start that conversation off with making sure that she's on birth control, who the fuck are you yeah. to make sure this, basically a perfect stranger to you at this point, is on birth control? How actually dare you? It's a gross overstep. I would probably assault somebody if I sat down with my fiance and his ex wife. Is it what working for you? And I was like, none of your fucking business. I really oh, wish yeah. Aya had just been like, it actually has nothing to do with you, but I'm, you know, let's move on. Like, I really wish that I had made a point to be like, okay, that was a decision between the two of you when you were married. You are no longer married. This has nothing to do with me. I just, I didn't like that. I re- it really made me uncomfortable. I was very pissed off. And I wish, I wish that somebody, I wish Lewis had said something. I wish someone had just said something to Tonya in that moment. Because clearly no one ever says anything to her when she's acting like this, which is why she continues to act like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't impressed at all with that. She comes across very poorly though at times, doesn't she? Very what? And it's, you can tell it's, she comes across very poorly, like a, as a yes. poor example of humanity at times. And I don't want to sound like really drastic, but it's not even the edit. And you can just see her face making the decision to be an absolute idiot. Yeah, she, it's, it's a purposeful thing for her to just be mm-hmm. a dickhead for like no reason. We move on to slightly happier stuff, I guess, uh, which is Ross and Paolo. It's moving day for them. And the couple are packing their things and head to their new apartment. Russ is very excited about the hot tub. And he worries that he won't be able to keep up with her lifestyle in the long run because uh, she's already talking about wanting new stuff, which was hilarious to me. She's like, yeah, but I need more stuff. (laughs) It's like, yes, but I still need more new stuff. I just love her. I think she's great. We go back to Mike and Aziza. Mike has a drink with his dad and they were talking about how his sister Amy is very sceptical of Aziza. Mike's dad says, how is it that she speaks better English than him? Which, hilarious to me. Mike is convinced that it is love and it's not a scam. And he seems like he's getting a bit frustrated at this point now by having to keep explaining this to his family. Uh, yeah. Which, fair enough. I mean, I understand their concern, definitely. But I feel like if I've said it one, two, three times and they're convinced, drop it now. The woman's already in the country at this point. Like, just drop it. He's spent the money. He's going ahead with it. Just let it go and just be there for him if it does go to shit at this point, I think. There seems to be some kind of shared delusion amongst people, particularly from the South, that everybody is dying to move to America because oh. everybody's parents ask it. They're like, why do they want to move here so badly? Maybe they didn't. Maybe it's just convenient now because they want to get married. Leave them alone. They are brought up that way, though. They're taught that they are the absolute best and nowhere else can compete. So for them, it is very much like anything to do with any type of immigration. They just think, oh, it must be because they're just dying to be here. 
And so they, they can't fathom the idea that these two people could actually be in love because of the fact that one of them isn't from America. So, yeah, it's all very... They seem to see just living in America as the grand prize, though, but you would if generations and generations of your kind had stolen and murdered everyone to get what's there. So you would think it's the best thing in the world if you've done that. And you're like, oh, no, they want to come back. That's a fair point. And to be fair, it makes sense why, you know, those types of Americans that feel that way tend to also be very jumpy about new people or people that don't look like them because they probably think they're going to try and do what the fuck they did (laughs) yeah it's got to be in the genetics like oh no this one's like don't seem like me must be dangerous and you're like no bro it's okay like it's gonna be fine they think that the person that's coming along or the people that are coming along are going to be just as dastardly as uh home of the free land of the brave isn't it but um, yeah, that's probably a conversation for another day. <laughs> but yeah, we don't really yeah. consider how embarrassing it is for the Americans either, because I go on about how annoying it would be as moving over there. But can you imagine all of your friends telling me they're convinced that the person doesn't love you and they only want to be here to live in America? You'd be like, dude, I'm not that bad looking. Like, <laughs> give me a break. His whole family are like, she doesn't love you. Look at your big bald head. And he's like, oh no, she does love me. I promise. <laughs> That's very I can true. see her eyes reflecting on it. Well, everybody's just like, well, why would she love you? And you're like, imagine your friend saying that to you. Like, I don't know, why does she love me? That's actually a sore one, because your friends spend all your time, their time with you as well. So they're like, hey, we spend all our time with you. We have no redeeming qualities we can think of. So why would <laughs> someone else? And you're like, oh, no, bro. That's very true. I didn't think about it that way. That has got to be very offensive, actually. That's the ultimate backhanded dig. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, look, poor Mike is sitting and his dad's just like, yeah, nobody loves you, Baldy. <laughs> Why don't you gross in here and cry about it? Yeah, I, w- I would be frustrated as well. Not even as good for Aziza, but like, yeah, she loves me. Hey, I'm a good guy, guys. <laughs> I'm a good guy. Right. Completely off topic, but the thing that I love about Mike and Aziza is that they're actually really into like, shit metal music. Yeah. So if you go on their Instagrams, they've been going to like weird concerts, and you're like, oh, I love that for you guys. You're such an odd couple. <laughs> they are very weird. Very, very weird. Uh, but I love that for them because clearly they're the right type of weird for each other, which is just, I mean, that's all, all that matters really, doesn't it? So. Then we go to Alan and Killian. Uh, Killian takes some selfies uh, for the modelling agency, but Alan is like, no, let's do it properly. And he gets his camera out, very, very cute, and um, takes some real pictures of her with his camera and emails them to the agency. Just very, very supportive, very cute. Yeah. Loved that for them. Then we go to Lewis and Aya. Aya meets the boys for the first time and is super excited and very sweet to the boys. Then we cut away to Tanya, or Tonya, sorry, and she says the hug was a bit much. <laughs> just like, that bugged me. Oh. I laughed, yeah. but then I was like, you're so miserable, but it is funny. Yeah. It's very funny. Imagine hugging a 10-year-old, your future stepchild, and its mum just being like, that's a bit much. <laughs> Human contact. Don't you think that's one. a bit forward? Like, oh, well, you're mm. trusting me to essentially watch him at times, so I think I can hug him. Yeah, oh, very weird. But uh, I did laugh, I have to admit, my first instinct was to laugh at that. 
Then we go back to Russ and Paola, who are making very good use of the hot tub. Russ has a bloody cowboy hat on in the jacuzzi, and I was yeah, like, what the fuck? Paola looks stunning in her bikini as she goes into the hot tub and even takes his cowboy hat and puts it on, which I'm sure he absolutely loved. So, yay for them. She hit him with a, a task, 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 which put a hat on as well. Oh, she did. You're right. She did do a she task, did. task, task. But they've got a glass bottle in the hot tub and the renting agent said in the episode before that they weren't allowed glass down there. So that stressed me out for that episode. Oh, please don't smash it. You got flung out and you yeah. just moved in. Plastic covers, I don't know what's that. Say that again, Dave, sorry. They had plastic tumblers to drink out of, though. I didn't notice that. Maybe they just were not worried about breaking the bottle but they were worried that they couldn't take glasses i don't know because i didn't yeah. even i didn't even notice that to be honest then we cut back to mike and aziza so mike is outside of a bar waiting for aziza to arrive and two girls are talking to him as she's walking up she's just like who the fuck are these bitches basically <laughs> like her face <laughs> is like uh what and two, I mean, two attractive girls outside talking to him. I get it. But they clearly were like, oh, there's a camera here. Let's go find out what this guy is all about. And as mm-hmm. she arrives, he's talking about her. He's talking about the fact that they're about to get married. So I don't quite know why she got jealous, but she did. She had a very, very serious case of RBF. And she, I mean, she has one anyway, to be fair, but she was very pissed off. And then that did lead, though, to sex that night. So apparently a little mm-hmm. jealousy is all you need. I respect that she fancies him enough to think that other people fancy him. Yeah, but do you know, right here, me and Frank have got this thing called the mist. Do you know what the mist is? It's when a girl is really into a guy and she starts seeing him as everything she she thinks he is and then immediately assumes that everyone else is, has the same brand of mental illness and can see the same thing. <laughs> like, but nobody else can. Oh. It's a phenomenon that needs explained and it's so weird. I mean, I guess if you do see them as, if you do see those qualities, you have to, you have to assume, especially the way girls are raised. We're raised to be very competitive with each other, especially when it comes to men, which you is are. so stupid. Yeah. So I feel it like is. when you feel like you like somebody or you have somebody, I guess it is an instinct to when whenever there's other women about, it's like it becomes the animal kingdom all of a sudden. It's like, hang on, who the fuck is near my prey? Sure. Like... Do you not think it's a bit weird that women are very, they, they're taught to be so competitive when it comes to men and men are brought up around that just like, if only women knew that 90% of them were scumbags and would just happily sleep with both women, there would be no competition because yeah. men are scum and that's how that works. So you guys are competing for But absolutely nothing. But absolutely nothing. Yeah, you get the prize, you quote unquote win the competition and you get the prize and it is a bag of shit. <laughs> so it's like, how about everyone yeah, leave each other alone? Sometimes a bag of shit's what you need because then you can complain about the smell all the time. Um, you know what I mean? Okay. Philosophical. Okay. Like it, it gives you something. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Okay. Something to do. Okay. That's a weird thing. Fair. <laughs> I could so... not explain what I was thinking. Then we, uh, then we go to Lewis and Aya. The boys are wrestling and Lewis says he leaves them to it until they hurt each other. <laughs> then he gets involved. Standard dad behaviour. Aya seems shocked by how violent they are with each other, but they all seem to be getting along well. They even mess about with her, get her shoe or something and sniff it. And they're like, oh, is this your shoe? It's stinky or whatever. And they're playing and they seem to all be getting along, which is great. And that's how we end episode three. 
So we are halfway through the season. Oh my God, we've been going for ages. I'm going to try and speed up with these, I think. (laughs) Okay, episode four. We start with Russ and Pow again. Uh, Russ reveals that he had taken personal leave from work to help her get acclimated with Oklahoma. And he took her to her first football game. And it's a college football game. So they were going to a tailgate. Russ is frustrated by how long it takes Pow to get ready. And they pick up his friend on the way to the tailgate. And he's the one that gets in the car and starts saying tas, tas, tas with Pow, which was very yeah. cute. Then we cut away to Alan and Kim. So Alan takes her to an agency who set up a test shoot for Killian. Alan expresses uh, concerns about racier photos due to Mormonism. But the woman that they're meeting with from the agency is very much like, yeah, we don't really tend to do that type of stuff. We don't tend to do the lingerie and racier stuff. It is more regular commercial shoots, which seems to make him happier and feel a bit more comfortable, which is nice. Yeah. Let me cut away to Mike and Aziza. So after having the sex, they get talking about planning the wedding and the bachelor party comes up. Again, Aziza is showing that she's actually into this guy. Shock horror. Who the fuck knew? Because she does not want his friends to get him a stripper. She is very against the stripper thing at the bachelor party. She's not into it at all. He feeds off of the the jealousy a bit because he seems genuinely buzzed when she's like please don't get a stripper he's like oh you don't want me to get a stripper um I might at that get a point, stripper. yeah i kind of want to flick him in the head and be like stop it you little shit but yeah because you know you think pleased. it's cute mm, he seems nah, to think it's cute and then it's just like it's not me at this point uh, but it's not cute she's really uncomfortable don't get a stripper stop smiling when she tells you not to get a stripper i think he's which I think a lot of people do, and it's not just exclusive to men. I think a lot of people take jealousy to mean, oh, wow, they really like me, like, they're really into me. So it's a good yeah. thing that they're jealous, and, it like, he can't help but not be happy about the fact that she's just, like, very jealous about a stripper. I think that's probably more what it was, but it was very much like, all right, stop smiling. You've had your little smile now. Just stop, don't mess with her. <laughs> like, just reassure her in this moment, because she is clearly very uncomfortable, but, you know, it is what it is. Then we cut away to Lewis and Aya who go wedding dress shopping. So Aya has found her perfect dress, but it was slightly over the $300 budget that he had for the dress. Yeah, Aya was a bit frustrated because Lewis basically just shut down after. He obviously... No compromise. That as he clearly just, he feels really bad that he can't provide that for her. And he just mm-hmm. kind of shut down and was just like, I'm not dealing with any of this. Which is, you know, not the right way to approach it, I think. But like, as a trauma response, like because he's embarrassed and feels like he's not enough, so he just shuts down because I can't let anything else come out because I've not got enough to come out and I can't do the things out that I want to do. I can't provide the way I want to provide, so it's just like nothing. Ah, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. It feels from the kind of set up of the episode as well that he's put every last penny into getting her there. And she very much understands that, which is why it's quite upsetting with the dress thing, that she can't have the dress she wanted. So on one hand, I understand how frustrating it must be for him that he can't buy her what she wants. But on the other hand, I'm like, surely she could have saved up some money for her dress if she was working in the Philippines where she moved over here. Yeah, he's paid for the flights. Yeah, and he has to pay for the K-1 visa process as well. So he's 
paid an absolute minute this... and she's not brought $300 to buy herself a dress. It seems weird. Something we've not not brought up though is each couple we learn as you go on in the other seasons as well you either have to pay a certain amount to have the person come over on the visa or a family member has to sign like an almost lifetime commitment to sponsor them so if like they jump their visa you're monetary responsible for their debt and things there's a lot goes on yeah 10 years so like say for instance you get married right uh, and then they get divorced six months later but they've been split up for three of those. And one of the couples gallivant around the country, just like running up debt, taking our credit lines, taking our cars, whatever. The, the sponsor is responsible for that. And most of the time it's the best friend or the parents or someone who's supportive of the relationship. But it's something that I haven't really took into account until I think about things like that. And I'm like, there's a lot goes on about it. And of course it's going to be worrisome for the guy if he's going through all of that. And then like, ah, so I just feel bad that he kind of shut down. Yeah. And I get that she could have saved a little, but they didn't seem to have a lot of prep time. Yeah, I don't think they had a lot of prep time. I also am very mindful that, like, even if you save up, once you... I don't know the uh, exchange rate, but once you turn that into yeah. dollars, does that equate to enough to getting a, a nice wedding dress? Probably not. Uh, and we don't know if she did save something and they've put that in the pot for something else and we're just not aware mm-hmm. of what... Because I don't think he went into that much detail. I know he mentioned rent at one point. He said the rent had just come out and so he's not got a lot of money to put up front now. Um, he's going to have to wait for his next paycheck to come in so that he can afford some other bits. So I think that... Yeah, it was just... It was, it was clearly frustrating. It was not nice for both of them. And again, it just goes to hone in on that, like, look, this isn't for money because if you wanted to find a rich person to move to america with this is not like he he doesn't have that so nothing other than love really is doing this in my opinion anyway yeah it's one of the aspects of the k1 visa that i think must be the most difficult that they can't work until after the visa and then you need to still wait for your green card trying to support a couple on one person's wage is incredibly difficult um never mind when that person doesn't have anything in the country they don't have their own car they don't have things they've moved here with the basics of what they've got trying to support a family on one single wage is nigh on impossible so the people that do it and go through that process are obviously under a lot of financial stress yeah especially two kids too yeah absolutely and i think it comes down to like access as well isn't it and it goes to show that i mean that could be a whole other political discussion but just how these schemes these visa schemes while it's like oh yeah but you have this option it's like yeah but for most people this isn't a viable option because yeah the idea of having to pay for everything that you need to pay for just to get them into the country and then having to support them for the entire three months plus however long it takes for them to get a green card because they cannot legally work it's we're not talking about most of society being able to do that so no um yeah certainly is a is a lot going on here a lot going on and it, a lot of pressure for everybody involved i think um which is why yeah. i think it's actually nice that 90 day fiance exists to be honest as much as people don't like reality shows it's an extra check for them a little bit of money for them being on tv sure you can make your arguments about whether it's healthy whether it's you know good for them and all yeah. that kind of stuff but at least they got something out of it um, to help them during this time so <sighs> anyway 
And let's move on to Mike and Aziza. So Aziza went to get her trial hair and makeup done with Mike's sister Amy and his friend Kelly. There was so much tension, so very awkward. Mike's sister, obviously, like Amy, she just doesn't like Aziza. She's just not giving it Aziza anything. I think she doesn't get her. She doesn't relate to her. She's not into it at all. Kelly doesn't look like she feels very comfortable with her either, but she's at least nicer to her. Um, yeah. Yeah, they want her to open up, but her, it's not in her personality. It's just not, it's not something that comes naturally to her, obviously. And they are, they, they kind of sit at a different part of the salon. She kind of still has to go and get her stuff done by herself. It was just not, it was giving mean girl. That's what it looked yeah. like. They were being a bunch of mean girls to this poor girl. It was really rude to make a plan to go to the salon with somebody and then make an appointment where you know you can sit with somebody else but they'll be on their own. Um, I feel like they misled her into thinking it was going to be a nice bonding experience and they just used it as an excuse to sit and talk shit about her. So I was really angry with the two of them after that. I think she didn't deserve what they did to her that day when she was supposed to be excited about getting her hair done for her wedding. Yeah, because it yeah. wasn't just a regular appointment. It was her trial for her wedding hair. So it's yeah. like, that's supposed to be something that you share with people. She's got no one in this country. You're then making her feel like you're going to be there to support her because you're Mike's relative and friend. And then you just go get your feet done in a different part of the salon. Like, really? Uh, Aziza even mentioned it in the interview part where she was like, I assumed we'd all be together, but then they went off and left me on my own. And I was like, that must be horrid, finally feeling that they're going to give you a chance. And then they're like, no, actually, fuck you, I'm getting a pedicure. Rude. Rude, rude, rude. Very rude. Didn't like that. Dave, what did you say before? Sorry, I think I cut you off. Uh, I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I was just listening to you two vibing and I just shouted something out. So it's very exclusionary. Oh, exclusionary. Didn't... Okay. I heard you yeah. say something, but I couldn't make out what you said. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was very exclusionary. It was very mean girl. Didn't like it at all. So we go back to Alan and Curliam. Curliam and Alan's mum chat about the dress. Alan's mum wants to see it first to make sure that it's modest enough. But Curliam says no, as it's a special thing between her and her mum since her mum made the dress. At this point, I think I actually yelped a little bit as I was watching it because I was very excited that Killian was like, actually, no. <laughs> because yeah. it seems like somebody that you, you would assume that you can walk all over. She's very sweet looking, very innocent, very much like you feel like she's just trying to be a bit of a pleaser. But actually, she was very, no, this is a special thing. And Alan's mum respected it. And it was just very, very wholesome. I really enjoyed that scene. Really enjoyed it. I liked that a lot as well. And it was, that one bond she had where mum and her mum wasn't going to make it. So I completely understand where she came from. The bit I didn't understand is Alan's mum thinking that it wouldn't be a modest dress. I'm like, you've met and lived with this girl for a couple of weeks now. What do you think she's going to wear at her wedding? She's literally yeah. sleeping at your house to keep her vow of chastity. She's not going to turn up in a see-through dress for the wedding. Like, it's just not in her... It, there's nothing about her that's giving you that. So, yeah, I don't get that. No. Either. She's got, like, big milkmaid energy where she wears her little florals and could have plates in and little white frilly socks. And she's like, is your dress too sexy for the Mormon chapel? I don't know. And, like, like ankle length, you're showing toe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I don't know what she was concerned about. But I'm glad that she was just like, you know what? Fair enough. I would love to see Carlyon pull out one of the mad dresses. Like a, yeah, one of those, I can't 
can't remember what the designer's called that loads of the, the Russian girls wear, but like the sexy, oh, the, cut out, see through thing. The guy that's um, in the dress has always got like four or five dresses that the women are like gushing over. Oh, probably. I can't remember his name. But yeah, Carly, I'm in one of those dresses would be completely left field. It probably would be more funny than interesting because she's got such an innocent wee face. She's like a little cherub. Yeah, hmm. very innocent looking, bless her. So we go back to Russ and Paula at the tailgate. Paula meets more of Russ's friends. Russ apparently had said no to a specific date because it was a big day in American football for the wedding. So he said that he needs to check the football schedule first before picking a date for the wedding. Paula, surprisingly, gets really into football and is actually good at it, despite being in heels. So he's, like, teaching yeah. her moves and stuff, and she's killing while wearing heels, which, again, I didn't think I could love this girl anymore, and I just absolutely do. She's amazing. And she takes her heels off as well. Um, there's a scene where she just takes her shoes off and rugby tackles somebody, and I'm like, oh, look at you getting into the spirit. Bless you. But I love that bit as well. I loved how into it she got and when she was throwing the ball um, and how impressed she got where we spin ball. That was one of the scenes that kind of illustrated how cute those guys were together, that she knew how much he loved it and she tried really hard. And I think that's why everybody loves Pal so much. She is just a big sweetheart. They're a very cute couple, though. They are a very cute couple. Very cute couple. I liked her wee football top that she tied it up into a wee belly top because yeah, it's Columbia. Yeah, little show off their bellies. Well. Say that again, Dave. She made a, I said she had her little bandana on as well. Like she made herself like feel comfortable enough. She seemed to get into it the whole tailgate. She was very much into it. It was good. I love that. Yeah, she definitely made an effort and then was having a good time. And I think that that must have just made him feel even more special than he probably already feels just having her in his life anyway. <laughs> so it was very, yeah. it was very cute. It was really, really nice I, to see. He goes on quite a lot in his interview segments about how he always thought he would find a girl from Oklahoma who knew how to line dance and loves football. And she's not that girl from Oklahoma, but she loves him enough to care about the things he loves. And I think that's even better. Yeah. Really, like it's she's not his fantasy, but she is real and tangible, and she loves him enough to do those things. Yeah, that's why I love just them. I feel like they really put the effort in for each other. If it's not something you would normally do, but you're now actually doing it because you know that your your spouse or your spouse to be will love that. That means a lot more than if you were just brought up doing that stuff anyway. Like making yeah. that effort must mean so much more, I think, than somebody who would just be doing that whether you were around or not. But yeah, they're just cute. Great couple. Love them. Mike and Aziza. So they have their bachelor and bachelorette parties. They're happening at the same time. And we start off at the bachelor party. So uh, the topic of no strip clubs comes up. Mike says, fuck it, though. <laughs> he says, fuck it. It's his bachelor party. Uh, there's a busload of girls waiting for them outside the bar. It looks like they're going to get into some trouble, but we shall see. Then we cut away before we see what's going on on the bachelorette side. We'll come back to that later. So we cut away to Alan and Kirlam, who are at, uh, well, Kirlam's at her first photo shoot. Alan is trying to ring her, but of course gets no answer because, you know, she's working. Yeah. 
he later then shows up and is clearly very uncomfortable he even says he walks into the room and there's just people including men watching her it's just like you, what you mean the light lighting people and like <laughs> the people the that photographer says when they go outside he says to her you look so pretty and she says thank you and then he says he doesn't like it and I, that made me feel really uncomfortable at one point he even says oh you won't leave me kind of thing like when she becomes like this big model or whatever so it was very weird i think she did a good job at you know being a 21 year old um at kind of appeasing him a little bit and making him feel comfortable and secure ish yeah but yeah he was definitely not into it at all that seems to come from a place of like just general distrust because yeah. she's never given him any reason to feel that way, but he just feels like other people are waiting to prey on her. And I feel kind of sorry for him in that aspect, but it's also not Carliam's fault that he's a wee bit jealous and insecure. Mm. Um, yeah. So I feel like he annoys me sometimes with it, where he's just like, oh, I don't want other men looking at you. It's just like, she can't just address the world with do not perceive me. It's not how life works. Other people look at the person you love. You just need to be reasonable about it. Yeah, definitely. It was it possessive was... books are weird though, isn't it? Like they've always got like he seems like settled the more like the season went on. But then when you realise like what order was it shot? And I was thinking about this the other day, because some of it seems really early on and some of it seems late. But he seems to settle a lot, like from maybe episode one through to like five. And I know he's just like, ah, People are looking at her. I feel uncomfortable. From the start, he was literally like, "Don't stand next to that man dressed as a pirate and take a picture, or I'll piss my pants on the street." Like he was high level anxiety about it at the very start, and he seemed to like level out. Although he was still very annoying with it, like he he calmed it a bit, which seemed okay. Yeah, he did seem to get better about it, but it was a bit like, "Oh, when he says, oh, yeah. you look so pretty,' and then it cuts away, and then he says, 'I don't like it.' That I don't made like it. Feel, yeah, that made me feel a bit icky." I didn't really like that. Yeah, it's but, very comfortable. Yeah, but you know. Anyway, so Lewis and Aya, so they're going over the wedding budget and Lewis basically has to break it to Aya that he cannot get the, the dress that um, that she likes. Aya is understanding of the financial situation but clearly is very sad. Lewis vis- visibly gets upset that he can't give her everything she wants. Um, they do seem very in love and I felt so bad for them in that moment because uh, they just both looked really sad and I was just like, oh God, this is not, oh, this is not nice. Um, Every time they discuss money, it's like the struggle bus and you, you just feel so sorry for them because they seem genuinely so in love and they want to start their life together and they're scraping up final pennies to try and get this one day sorted out. And you just want to be like, I'll lend you 20 quid if it helps towards the dress. I'll start, yeah, go fund me. Yeah, it was very much that. It was very much, oh my God, can I just help? Because it's so like, oh, yeah, it's really not nice to see. And and like I say, they're clearly very in love. They just want to start their life together, like you were saying, Vix. And it just seems like so difficult to get going, you know, with the wedding and get the things Mm -hmm. that they want. So yeah, it wasn't very nice. They don't really discuss at length in this first season just how much the K1 visa, like the process even, takes out of you, but I think you just spend a bit more about it. Like, emotional cost as well. And, like, yeah, they all seem really stressed about it and 
they have to wait and they don't know if they're getting it. And like it's just it seems like a high pressure thing. It does. I mean, even without them, obviously I've only seen this season. And so without them explaining in the detail that you guys are talking about, even I could tell that it was a very stressful situation. Like finances yeah. aside, like that was its own stressor. But like this clearly seemed stressful for, for all of the couples, even the ones that were more okay financially. It just seemed like a lot, which fair, you know, you've got three months to get your shit together and get married. So it's just like, oh. Even um, planning a wedding with somebody who lives with you in three months would be nigh on impossible to get like a venue, organise family and friends. So it's just a big layer cake of different levels of stress put together. Ta-da! And now you're on TV, which is even more stressful. Yeah. Now we're yeah. going to follow you around with a camera crew and some cameras and put this all on telly. So no pressure. It's like, whoa. Yeah, I don't envy them in that sense, for sure. We cut to uh, Mike's, uh, Mike, well, no, Aziza's bachelorette party now. So Mike's mum, sister and friends take Aziza out for her bachelorette party. She just looks so uncomfortable trying to drink this beer. The party looks really sad and awkward, to be honest. Like, it does not look like a good time. Mike's mum has clearly had one too many at one point and says, um, she's like interrogating Aziza. She's like, why Why couldn't you meet someone in Russia? What is it that you like about Mike? Yeah. And as Aziza tells her why she loves Mike, how like, they, you know, that's her best friend. And she gets like emotional. She starts crying, talking about how much she actually loves, um, you know, Mike. I think at that point, Mike's mum then softens and is like, I can actually see that she gives a shit about <laughs> about my son and kind of like, yeah. you know, I, I think it's just very different personalities on display, right? So Mike's mum to me seems more of a extrovert, more of a we're going to get pissed, we're going to say how we feel in that moment. If it's good, if it's bad, we're just going to do it. Whereas Aziza's just not, clearly just not like that. She's not going to open up no. to you just met you even if you're no. going to be her mum-in-law like she's just she doesn't know you yet she's not comfortable that's just not in her nature I don't think so it was nice for that moment because Mike's mum got that thing that she wanted which was to see that this person actually loves her son and Aziza hopefully felt at least the interrogation was over I don't know what she got out of that yeah. it, was, it was sad it was all sad the, the bachelorette party was just a sad time to me it looked awkward it did it felt like they booked a table for an intervention rather than a bachelorette party. <laughs> they were all sitting staring at her, like, prove that you love Mike. Oh, and yeah, she's got her wee veil on and her wee sash, and she just looks like the saddest wee hen in the world. Oh. And then she has to cry and say that, like, her fiancé is her best friend before somebody's like, oh, that's the right emotion. I want to see that. And she gets congratulated. It's just exploitative to Mike's mum. I'm not a big, like, emotional discusser with people that I don't know really well. So if somebody done that to me, I would be, like, purple with embarrassment. Um, yeah. I would have left. But, I've got to yeah. be honest. If I was Aziza, I'd have been like, you know what? Thanks, guys, for the drinks. I'm off home. This isn't... What kind of party is this? Who thinks you, invites you to a party, puts a veil on you, and then starts questioning you that they're part of immigration? <laughs> They really did get like grill her grill her though. But to even get the K one visa, you have to go through different interviews, and you're like, "Why do you think that you know 
this person better than the 1,700 FBI and government agents that have already furiously Googled them before we let them into the country. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, you know when they have to do those... um those interviews because sometimes they have to do like post interviews as well don't they depending on if like ice has a bee in their bonnet about them and they could just play the they could just play the season just watch how mike's family treats aziza (laughs) look at that questioning that should be enough that's enough evidence because i wouldn't put up with that that's a lot no that is really a lot yeah so the saddest bachelorette party ever so we go to Russ and Powell for more sad news. Uh, so Russ, we find out, is actually an engineer on oil rigs for long periods at a time. And he got an email telling him that he had to go back to work. Um, he reveals to Powell that he has to go. It might be for two weeks. It might be for a month. Powell is worried because they only have the 90 days together to begin with. And now he has to go to work, which, again, absolutely fair. That also means that they don't really know when they're going to get married because he's going to technically be on call for the date that they've now picked. So he might be on a job. He might not be able to actually spend any time with her or even show up to the wedding. So it's a bit of a shit show, to be honest. And the episode ends with Alan and Killian. So Killian makes fun of how jealous Alan is being, which again, love that for her. Didn't expect it. Alan says that he hates sending her away to sleep at his parents. They both say that they don't want to wait the 90 days. They're moving the wedding up. They're moving it forward. And that was the end of episode four. So, episode five. We start with Mike and Aziza this time. And it is the day after the bachelor and bachelorette parties from hell. And uh, Mike hasn't come home yet. So, when he finally shows up in the daytime, Aziza asks if they went to a strip club. He says no, they just went to a bar and were drinking with girls and then she instantly gets jealous, grills him for more information and says that his bachelor party is the last time he can get drunk like that. (laughs) She put her foot down. Absolutely not again. Good for her. If I was marrying somebody and he fucked off all night and didn't phone me and then stoated back in the sun the next day like a big shiny sweaty boulder, it would get better. But that's not appropriate. You can't just not come home or tell anybody you're safe. Especially if you don't have a hairline. Like you can't be running that. <laughs> oh my God. You can't be running that with like your hairline starting behind your ears and shit. There's none of that. <laughs> that's so out of when order. You're garan- when you're guaranteeing an ugly baby, you can't be running that. Right, right. Wow. right. We're, not saying, we're not saying ugly babies, especially what we know about babies. Um. One of my obsessive thing at the minute is every time we start a series of this, I figure out who's got babies. Every time, wait, what? Every so time... every series we start, I get about two episodes in, and by the time I've got to episode two, I need to figure out who's still together and who's had a baby, so I can see if their baby's cute or not. Oh no! Oh, I'm going through the worst spring breedingness season of my entire life. I've seen every ninety day baby there is, and poor Dave gets me to look at them as well. Oh, There's babies everywhere. Well, okay. So we've got to <laughs> Alan and Killiam. I don't really know where to go from that. Um, we've got to Alan and Killiam and Alan buys his wedding band and reveals they're getting married oh, yeah. the next day as a nice little chat with the uh, the guy behind the counter. Then we cut away to Russ and Paola who go for salsa dance lessons ahead of the wedding. This one oh, I kind of felt for Russ a lot uh, because yeah. Russ was struggling with the moves and you know rhythm and 
Pow and the male instructor were kind of like mocking him and laughing at him and not being able to do certain things like calling him a penguin and just not being very nice. And Russ is clearly mad that Pow is laughing at him and fair because you like a little giggle fine, but that was a lot what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and then he was also irritated that they weren't dancing with each other. They were dancing with each instructor so he got the female instructor and uh, Powell got the male instructor who she was just mocking him with so Russ then gets a bit jealous of how they're now moving together as he's watching Powell dance with him and says in the interview that he's worried about how guys will be with her when he is on a rig then we cut to Mike and Aziza so there's a very awkward car ride when Aziza goes dress shopping with Mike's mum sister and friend it's a bit better in the store as she's trying on the dresses. Aziza seemed to come out of her shell a bit more, which made them a bit happier. So they, of course, then were a tiny bit nicer to her. Tiny, tiny bit nicer to her. Yeah, um, tiny bit. Yeah, at this point, I was kind of feeling a bit more hopeful about the relationship between her and his family because they had also stopped being too big a dickhead to her. They've just not been yeah. very nice to her, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, which is not nice, not not comfortable to watch. Yeah, so then we cut to Lewis and Aya. Lewis bought the dress that Aya wanted despite the budget, and I love that yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, then it got really sad. It was so happy, and then it got really sad because Aya said that her mum had called her fat. Um, she's worried about her weight gain. Lewis... Okay, Lewis did not handle it well to begin with. He was just very irritated. Like, what the what what are you talking about? You look great. I don't understand. What why are you upset? It kind of turns into a bit of an argument because he's not being nicey nicey and like sympathetic to the fact that it's upsetting to her. And Aya is obviously very, very emotional. She's very like aware of the fact that she's gained weight and obviously doesn't help that her mum has just said that to her. So yeah, but she goes and cries and then he goes and comforts her the right way and makes her feel better, which was nice in the end. Um, mm-hmm. Says all the right things this time. So it was it was better. Um, That's then, just the story of half, half a man, isn't it? They, they try the first time, don't get it right, have to reconsider and then they finally do the right thing. Um, it's just like conditioning in a man before you marry him. <laughs> I think because properly. I think men are just like they're they're like I don't know I feel like I think because when they're brought up like from when from being a boy you're kind of told stop being emotional stop crying like don't show emotion That's yeah. like, just think logically about everything so it's like they're just trained to look at that look at life that way and so when your partner cries to you and you think your partner is gorgeous and your partner's like oh my god I look fat to them they're like logically what are you talking about you're obviously not or you're obviously yeah. beautiful or, obviously you look great and that's their first reaction that's the first thing they say well that's not helpful when you're going through a bit of a spiral and you feel like shit what you want to hear is that you're beautiful not obviously you're beautiful ignore that like it's it's not the same <laughs> like you might be saying it's some of the same words but it's not guilty of trying to smooth over the bump in the road though by saying something that makes it worse because it's like obviously you're beautiful or i wouldn't be here which plants a seed is like you know because you're dull as fuck so you have to be nice looking for me to stick around because you're a potato <laughs> yeah it does lead into a whole load of stuff yeah and when you're feeling like shit what you want is the person to love to just make you feel better and kind of gently gently softly softly kind of nurse you back to good positive outlook 
Mm-hmm. rather than of course you look great let's move on this is stupid <laughs> it's like all right but it's not stupid i'm sad <laughs> like yeah so anyway he got it right the second time so that's all that matters i guess um alan and um wait hang on my notes here are confusing i think it's alan and curlium yeah so then curlium goes yes. to the nail salon she does, yeah. Is this? Yeah, I'm no, no. Sure this is right. I've written Aziza for some reason, but I'm like, no, that wasn't Aziza. Gillian um, went to the nail salon and says that she's a little nervous about the wedding night as she doesn't know what she's doing in that department. Bless her. She then goes to get her legs worked for the first time. Hilarious. Uh, she was not enjoying that at all. But her reaction yeah, was... Wax is wild. I don't understand she, she how she was well. so cute while she was screaming. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, she handled it well. Yeah, she did a good job, bless her. Then we met to Mike and Aziza. So Aziza had a call with her mum and finds out that her parents can't come to the wedding. The mum revealed that they couldn't get the visa. They were denied the visa they needed. So they won't be making it, of course. Aziza is heartbroken and says that she doesn't have anybody in the country, which I don't even understand how these women are doing this. This yeah crazy difficult and then to think that your parents might be able to come at least to your wedding and then their visa gets denied i can't even imagine then we go to russ and paula power and russ's cousin go wedding dress shopping <laughs> so of oh, course right. the sexiest dress in the shop uh it is see-through yeah. and it is bigger hugging and it makes her bust look even more incredible than they already do <laughs> and yeah, russ's cousin is the, just like Sorry, say the that. Brazzers wedding dress, like the reality kings designer did that. It's the it's it's a proper like pornographic wedding dress, like one you see in bad scenario porn. Yes, like it is. It's overly. It's the most overly like visually sexy wedding dress you're ever going to see. I feel like that was a production thing because in yeah. Oklahoma, in a random store in Oklahoma, they've got that ridiculously sexy dress on display just for her to see. Mm, something feels scripted there to me. Yeah, but, like it just so happens to be in her size too. Right. And it fit her literally like a glove. It was ridiculous. Um, so, of course, she looks amazing, but Russ's cousin is like, oh, you, you can't wear that. <laughs> She's like, no, please don't wear that. Let's, don't, don't do that. She seemed pretty adamant to get it. And thankfully, the thing that did stop her, though, was the price. <laughs> it was way too yeah. expensive. Then we go to Alan and Killiam's, uh Killiam's wedding day. So it has arrived. Killiam's getting ready and has her hair and makeup done with Alan's sisters. Um, Haley, one of Alan's, or I think Alan only, does he only have the one sister? Anyway, Haley gave her a necklace that had a Brazilian stone in it. Oh, I cried. Not going to lie. Not even yeah. ashamed. It was cute. Um, it's very sweet. Uh, there was some kind of mix up with the time that they were supposed to arrive at the at the church. So Killian was actually late and had to rush to the venue. Um, it is also Mike and Aziza's wedding day as well. So Mike talks about how bad he feels for her for not having her parents there. Aziza, Amy and Kelly are chatting at the salon and Aziza is so closed off with them again and probably due to nerves and the whole disappointment of her parents not being there. So she's kind yeah. of closed off again, which is just like... All right, well, what are you going to do? Then we go to Lewis and Aya. Aya and Lewis's ex-wife, Tonya, go to a parents' evening at the boys' school. They chat outside beforehand, and Tonya asks how sure Aya is about marrying Lewis. 
again inserting herself in some shit that has nothing to do with her but okay uh but then they do relate on the fact that lewis is such a homebody um she did actually start liking tonya at this point because as much as i feel like she was determined to talk about her ex um aya didn't really have anybody else to chat to so being like a companion for her just seemed like a really nice thing to do at that point where she had that along and at the the school with the boys and making her feel like she was included it was the first nice thing i felt like she'd done yeah that's true that's true it was a nice change of pace for her as well it was oh god yeah it was so back to Alan and Curliam's wedding at the church. Alan is setting up a video call for Curliam's family in Brazil. Curliam arrives looking stunning and they exchange very sweet vows. Curliam says hers in Portuguese and Alan then jokes at the end saying she basically says she loves me <laughs> to the uh, <laughs> there. So obviously they can understand. They seem super in love and Alan is clearly very excited about not having to abstain anymore and their honeymoon is going to be in Hawaii. And to end episode five, Russ gets an email confirming that he will be on call and may have to work on the day of their wedding, but doesn't want to cancel their wedding plans yet. Pal is visibly frustrated. And that's the end of the episode. So we're now on to episode six, which is the final episode of season one. We start off with Russ and Paula. Work has called Russ into the field. Pow asks him to ask his employer again to try and get the days around the wedding off um, and talks about how lonely she's going to be when she does her little interview thing. She starts crying once he leaves uh, because she feels guilty for the fight that they had the night before. And it's so obvious that they're just, oh, they're just so in love and so cute. It was just very, very cute and very sad. So we cut to Alan and Curliam's honeymoon. So the newlyweds arrive at the hotel at Hawaii. They're still nervous about having sex, which means they didn't have sex on the actual wedding night. Don't know why, but they didn't. So they were nervous about having sex for the first time. They clearly didn't um, do it right away on the on the wedding night, but they head to the beach. So I think it's like morning when they arrive in, in Hawaii. So they head to the beach and he damn near had a heart attack when she stripped down to her bikini, which I thought was hilarious. And yeah, he is, he is very bashful. It's very adorable by this point. You're less yeah. annoyed with him. You're just like this fucking schmuck. I know. Like, this poor it's, guy. it's very, very adorable. Very adorable. When it cuts to the interview and he says he's never seen somebody look so sexy, I'm like, oh, bless her. She's got like a British home store's bikini on. And he's sweating profusely at how beautiful she is. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, fair. It's very cute to see them together, honestly. It's, it's just so cute. So, yeah, they're having a good time in Hawaii. Mike and Aziza, so we're back to their wedding day. Mike's getting dressed for the wedding and is feeling the pressure of getting everything right for the wedding. Aziza, Amy and Kelly get back from having their hair done. Aziza is obviously very upset that her parents won't be there. She says she won't even... She won't have anyone on... She says she won't have anyone on the FaceTime call. Oh, when she's on the FaceTime call with her mum. <laughs> I made notes and I'm like, what the, what the fuck am I talking about? So when she's on the FaceTime call with her mum, she says she won't have anyone there and she's like crying and it's very sad. Um, Cut away again and we're at Lewis and Aya. They go bowling. Well, no, Lewis goes bowling with his best man, Tony who is questioning him again about whether he's sure. I'm sick of the friends and family at this point. Like, stop yeah. asking them. Yep. The person's in the country. They're sure. Let it go. 
So Americans they're... really think America's the grand prize, don't they? Oh, it's stupid. Like, not only is not only have they spent the money now, the person has the visa, the person's in the country, and there's a fucking camera crew following them around while they make this happen. It's too late to express your concerns now. Like, yeah, let... the K one visa process lasts like months as well, so they've had time to complain about it. They've just chosen not to. Stupid. Ugh. So yeah, I was over it at that point. Then we go uh, to Paula's bachelorette party. So Russ is on a rig. He's off working. He's been working for a few weeks at this point. So she basically is just not in the mood to party. Um, yeah. She's, she's just like, I don't really feel like it. But Russ's cousins take her out to a club. The drinks are flowing. So she starts having some fun, but quickly gets sad again thinking about Russ. And that's just so typical of alcohol. When you're already sad yeah. about something, you start drinking and you're like, oh, oh, mood is being lifted. And depression. <laughs> it's just, it's like oh. such a dip once you're already drunk. And you're like, I was just so happy. I was just so happy. That's- why I low-key don't mind not drinking anymore. Yeah. Because I, I yeah. don't feel myself being so emotional or overreacting or thinking just weirdly because your intoxicated brain makes you think okay to think some very strange things. I always think of alcohol is like it looks like a hill from one side. So you climb up one side and you get to the top and you feel great. And instead of walking down the other side that you expect, you fall off a fucking cliff. Uh, so it's like fine, fine, fine. Get to the top, loving life, and then boof. Um, which is why it's never particularly been worth it to me. But especially now, I just I cannot handle that hit at the bottom when you're either depressed out your dial when you're drunk, or the next day you feel like you want to just crawl into a hole and die. I kind of don't like feeling drunk either. I As mean, I got older, I'm like, yes, I want to say I'm on I'm on the train with you guys. I'm just not though. Like I'm still yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> oh, fully, I get it. But I think it's been I think it's been different for me like drinking at home during the pandemic because yeah, I've not I've not overdone it. Like as soon as I've got like when I'm having some wine, for example, I'm just like all right, I've I've had enough wine, and then I'm just chill and I'm enjoying my shows until I fall asleep. Whereas I think when you're out, it's like you keep drinking, mostly because you're probably dehydrated as well. So you just keep going and keep going. And that's when you hit the really shitty bit. Um, and then you get the hangover. I think because I've not really been hungover like that. The only times I have, though, is when I've been doing the Talk About It Network specials, like at the end of the month. Because <laughs> then I start doing shots. But then that's because it's super social. And I'm like, yeah. oh, let's just drink, drink, drink. And then I'm like suffering the next day. But when I just have wine at the weekend at my house, it's like... Eh. it's but, all about the atmosphere and the vibe though, isn't it? that's true because i'm creating my own atmosphere here it's there's nothing to stress me out there's nothing to make me feel shitty when i'm here but if i'm out something might trigger me i might be uncomfortable or anything can happen and then that can i don't know where alcohol will take that which is i guess it's not really a it's not a good it's not a good advert for drinking <laughs> it's, what, it's, it's what, not no but that hill thing is a great analogy. It's because it can feel like that sometimes. Like you get to the top of the hill and you're just like, everything is amazing. And then it's like you overdo it or something triggers you and makes you sad or something happens and then you just tumble all the way to the bottom and it sucks. It's horrible. Yep. I've got a habit of kicking the arse out it when I go out, which is why lockdown has been really good for us. Like we can still have a, a kind of social drink if I've got family over and I'm having dinner, like have a glass of wine. 
Um, but going out and getting tagged is no, the worst possible fault for me at this juncture. Not just, I don't want to make myself sound old here, but you know what I'm saying? It's kind of tragic when you're like 37 coming on 40 and you're out drinking at half past 12 at night in some bar. And you're just like, ah, bro, go home, yeah, make a toasty, shut the fuck up, <laughs> pack it in, get some macaroni on toast or something, bro, relax, what are you doing? To be fair, <laughs> I've been out, like, in Manchester, so I've been out to a few, like, club-type, like, bars where you can dance. It's a club, but it's not massive yeah. club. Um, yeah. And it is very, very gross to me when I see... Because it's obviously a lot of young people, right? So when you see, like, a lot of the young women and then you look over and there's the 40-plus men just stood at the bar getting pissed watching these young girls. I'm like, oh, get me out of it. Like, it's very creepy. Ooh. So literally there's only like, I usually go with Flawless as well. When Before COVID, there's only certain places that I would go because I didn't get that vibe because it wasn't that yeah. gross. But there have been places that I've ended up in like just from bar hopping or whatever. And you're just like, oh, no, I don't. I don't like this. This is very uncomfortable. I feel like I've passed that line now where everywhere you go club-wise, everybody is either much older than you because they're that mid to late 40s having a glamorous drink on a Friday night type or they're 18 to 21 and I'm stuck in the middle group where if I go to a nightclub I'm either surrounded by children or parents and I don't For really want to go either. Yeah, I don't want to hang out with either of those. That doesn't seem like a good time. Every time I see teenagers out on a night out, I'm just like, are you not cold? Did your mum let you leave the house like that? Do you have enough money for a taxi home? I'm just too much an old person to deal with teenagers. I never cared about that. Like, I never cared about being cold. None of that. You don't when you're that young. I think there's just... The the, the hormones and the puberty mean that you just don't feel cold, apparently. Um, But I used to, you know, from going out... I grew up in Essex, so I've been going out since I was 15. And, like, all of that clubbing and doing all of that stuff is just, like you don't realize it when you're younger but i think i've always been kind of old mentally in terms of i was always the one that made sure everybody got home i will get us yeah. yeah we will all get home are we staying at one person's place cool i will get every single one of us home i don't care if you like that boy where i was that friend i was the cock blocker because i'm like all right i'm 16 or i'm 17 or i'm 18 I'm not leaving my friend here with some random adult that should fucking know better. It's not happening. Yeah. And so yeah. I was always the one that got everyone home. I didn't remember where half of my friends lived when I was sober. When I was drunk, though, I knew their postcodes. I knew how to get there. I could direct the taxi drivers. If I was sober and I was going by train to meet up with some people, I that they'd have to meet me at the train station because I couldn't remember where they lived. But it was like that autopilot always turned on. So now as an adult, I feel it even more, but I don't know these people, so I can't protect them. So I'm just stood there going, oh, I just want to get this girl out of here or I just want to move these creepy guys. So it's just, oh, it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. Uh, The last time I was in a club was for somebody's birthday about two years ago. And I went in and I was like, oh, come in for an hour just to say happy birthday. I went in the bathroom and there was a wee girl crying about a boy and then I was just like, dump him. Just dump them and find somebody else. You're too young and too pretty to cry about this. And then I was like, I need to go home, man. I've just said a total granny thing. That's me done for the night. Yeah, I, I that happened to me. I was at a Christmas do for my work. And I was in, I was, I was like in a vodka revolution or something like that. And I went into the bathrooms and there was these girls, these two girls are like, 
one of them's crying to the other one and just saying about how life is really tough at the moment. I was just like, guys, you're like, how old are you? And I'm like, oh, 21, 22. I was like, trust me, the 20s are the ghetto. It will get better. It really will. Like, it's just, it sucks right now because you, you, like, it just sucks. I get it. But trust me, it will get better. And I ended up spending about 20 minutes in the bathroom with these perfect strangers explaining to them how life is better and how all they need to do all they need to worry about right now is just drinking more water drink more water you'll be fine don't worry about anything just drink more water right now that's what i always say to my wee sister i'm like make sure you always drink water and make sure you've always got at least enough money for a taxi home no matter where you are yeah make sure you can always get home and now with uber that's even easier make sure your phone is always charged put your parents credit card on your fucking uber if you have to just make sure you get home But yeah, look, we're old people at this point. (laughs) um, Anyway, back to the show. Back to 90 Day Beyond. So um, where are we up to? Paola was really sad because she got drunk at her bachelorette party and she's not having a good time. She's thinking about Russ. Very in love with him. Misses him loads. So... We go back to Hawaii for Alan and Kieran's um, honeymoon. They're viewing all of the sights and then they get back to the room and they obviously are very nervous yet excited and then they kick the camera crew out and almost forgot that there was a camera in the ceiling, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, they quickly spotted and got rid of before anything happened. Then we, they're just very cute. I love that couple so much. Uh, they then really we are a cute to couple. Lewis and Aya. So their wedding day is now here. Aya is dressed. Hair and makeup is done. Lewis calls her and says he is going to be late. Literally, all you have to do is pull. Oh. I can't be asked. I cannot be asked. I hate it when men are late to anything because I'm like, there's so much less for you to do. How are you late? Fucking about sitting down for five minutes. Oh. It's just fucking about because girls have to do their hair. They usually have longer hair, and then makeup. If you wear makeup, if you shave your legs and stuff in the shower, that takes ages. Putting on moisturizer, guys literally just like use the same body wash for the dishes, their balls, and their face. <laughs> no, they don't. Get in, Some get guys in the shower. Do. Yeah, like that Link Seventeen and one. You can use it to wash the car and the carpet. Oh my god. <laughs> Hey guys fly in the shower, scrub their balls with that and get back out and then it's just like put on a pair of trousers, a pair of socks and you're good to go. Especially for a wedding. It's a whole event for the bride to get ready. Like it is a whole event. There are people doing your hair, your makeup, so much is going on. You have to get in that bloody dress, probably wearing some kind of spanks underneath it as well to keep everything in the damn dress. There's a lot going on. You're making sure you're like, there's just a lot happening. And all the men really have to do is put on a suit, look decent in the pictures, turn up with the groomsmen if there are any. That's it. That's all you have to do. But of course, he's late. So whatever. We cut to Russ and Paula. So Russ is on the road to the rig site and has a voicemail from Pal asking him to come back. She's like super upset. He decides he's going to leave the job and go back to her and will worry about his employer after the wedding, which very cute. Bit irresponsible, yeah. but very cute. Yeah. Um, uh- go on. I think his employers were shite, to be honest. All he asked for was to make sure he could have that one day off for the wedding. Yeah, he wasn't even asking for a honeymoon and all of that. He literally asked for the wedding day and they were still saying no. 
But I think that that resentment would just build up at that point. If I was driving to go to work and I knew that they'd said no to the one special day I'd asked them to give me a favour for, and then I got like a crying message from my partner, I'd be like, nah, fuck this job, it's not worth it. So I I understand where he's came from. I would probably have done the same in his shoes. I could my face someday. I loved being that upset over a company that doesn't give a fuck about me. Yeah, that's fair. Very fair. It's a fair, um, fair, fair point, to be fair. Yes. I said fair like 10 times. Uh, Mike and Aziza. So we're back to their wedding day and guests are arriving at the venue. Well, they've arrived and they're sat down and Mike is worried that Aziza might not go through with the wedding because of how devastated she is that her family can't be there. Um, Aziza gets dressed and just looks so miserable. This girl just looks miserable all the time. Yeah. Um, as the ladies wait to go in, Aziza says that she feels super sick. She even says she's going to throw up at one point. So yeah, they're very they're dramatizing it. They're making it seem as if Aziza's gonna do a runaway bride and just just belt it out. Um, <clears throat> then we go back to Lewis and Aya's wedding. It's now forty minutes to the wedding. Aya is worrying about uh, when Lewis will be arriving, but he does make it in time. Uh, Lewis reveals that he was running late because he lost track of time while setting up the reception venue. <sighs> anyway, the priest. It just channeled all of my frustration in that moment and said, yeah. what the hell do you wait till the last minute for? And to hear a priest say hell really just gave me so much joy. Um, it was brilliant. And I just, I felt that so much in my spirit. And I uh, walks down the aisle. Lewis cries immediately. The priest cracks a couple of jokes at Lewis's expense while uh, doing the ceremony, which I thought was funny. And they cry as they exchange their vows, looking very cute and very in love. And I love that for them. I love crying at weddings, especially when it's like that emotional sobby crying because it just makes you feel like there's love that's tangible in the room. That's probably a really high thing to say. People are going to be like, that doesn't happen. But I think especially at weddings, there gets that weird atmosphere where you feel like you reach out and touch it. It's like there's just love everywhere. It's so sweet. Yeah, it's really nice. Nice to see for them. That's nice. Where am I up to? Alan and Kaelin. Um, Super adorable couple. They have now consummated their marriage. And they like waking up to each other's faces. Oh, so cute. Then it cuts to Alan saying that he wants eight kids. And she says, which was hilarious to me, she's like, uh, with who? <laughs> because she is not having eight kids. Uh, which, uh, again, it I love that. I love that she sticks up for herself because she looks like she wouldn't. And so I love it when she says little sassy things like that. I, I don't like that word. But she has little comebacks of her own and sticks up for herself, which is great. And she's funny. So Mike and Aziza's wedding. Aziza did not run away. Aziza walks down the aisle, says in an interview that she knew she was making the right decision in that moment, despite her nerves. Her RBF disappeared. She was super smiley and happy after they got married, which made me think, huh, they're gonna, this is gonna work because it seemed very genuine, particularly in that moment, just genuine joy between them. So I thought it was very cute. I loved that for them. Yeah, when it gets to the wedding and you see that that weight is being lifted off and they get to just enjoy being in love for the day. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's always my favourite parts of the episodes. You see the real exciting parts of why they've gone through everything in that one day. 
um, especially when people look at Aziza who are very kind of stone-faced and don't give a lot away seeing her being so excited and happy to be there was just really nice it's a, a warm fuzzy feeling in a tv show on it yeah definitely very very cute I enjoyed um, seeing them all going towards Orion. I thought it was really nice. Say that again, Dave. I said everyone seemed like I enjoyed moving, like watching each couple move towards their weddings. I thought it was really nice, and they all seemed to settle into it quite well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then the final wedding. So Russ and Paula, their wedding day is here. Yeah. Paula looks like an absolute princess. Russ got her a horse and carriage as well to take her to the venue. Just, I mean, cute as hell. They exchange their vows. Powell does hers in Spanish. Russ cries during his and even says a little line in Spanish as well. I was very choked up. I'm not going to lie. Shed a couple of tears here. Yeah. Um, very, very cute. They seem very happy and in love. And at the end, so this is now the end of the show. So the end of the episode, it gives you that little catch up on how they're doing after. Obviously, this aired in 2014. So at the end, it said uh, Russ has found a new job with less hours and no travel and he and paula he and paula are planning a second wedding in colombia which i thought was cool mm. lewis is taking classes and exploring the job market aziza's pursuing uh, credits towards a hospitality degree and her and mike are looking for a bigger house and Alan and Killam are starting to think about having kids so i went on social media because i have to i had to see where they were up to now because it's been seven years i needed to know if they were still together and yeah so i looked on aziza's instagram and mike and aziza are very much still married they have a gorgeous little girl and they look very happy so very excited for them russ and paula very much still married have a beautiful baby boy and according to paula's instagram she is now a pro wrestler which i absolutely love for her yes um big yes. big big fan I also found Kirlem's Instagram, which funnily enough, it keeps showing me that you follow them, Vix. It says followed by. And I'm just like, yep, she likes all of these people. Yeah. <laughs> it's me that follows them all so I can see the babies. Um, so yeah, I checked Kirlem's Instagram. She is living that influencer mum life. Two beautiful kids, very much still married to Alan. Both of them very still cute, like doing little TikToks and all sorts of shit. Oh my God, adorable. And Lewis and Aya also still married they had two more boys of their own so that's four kids in total including lewis's sons from his previous marriage ha tonya uh, very interested <laughs> to how she feels about that um <laughs> but yeah that was on lewis's instagram i don't know if i has one but i only found his or is this private so you can't go on it or it's the uh, pain in the arse that explains well, did you find it of course, of course you found a private Instagram. Yeah. So all four couples, very much still married, seven years later, all of them have kids together and just living very lovely lives. Nice little followings for all of them. Kirlian has the most, I think. They all have um, a nice little following though. So hopefully it means that they're still getting the odd bit of ad money and, and whatever else. Um, I think the thing that makes me laugh the most is that Alan and Curlium are like big Man U fans. Oh, are they? Really a big Man U fan. So the whole family have all got Man U strips and they all watch Man U games together. Um, That's funny. And it just it just makes me laugh. There's this little Mormon family living in, I think they live in Ohio or something now as well. Um, but they're living over there, just loving Man U. 
their wee kids, Liam and Enzo. It's dead sweet. Well, I quite, I quite like as well as the show seems to take good care of participants, like down the line when you see other seasons, like all the like the behind the scenes, like talk shows or the follow ups or like the behind this episode. It's all hosted or presented by a previous season's like one of the favorite couples. Like they spin it into like another earner. Like it's good that he take care of them. There's so much extra work as well. It's very good. Like they're they're not shy about using people from season one later on in like season eight, like to host a thing or to do a thing. It's very good. That's good. That's good to hear for a reality show yeah. because there there's some horror stories with reality shows, isn't there? There is. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So that's it. That was season one of Ninety Day Fiance. I had a great time watching it. I certainly will be watching future seasons. This you was should. good because, like I said, I think before we went uh, before we went live. It's not even that anything massively dramatic happened. There weren't any especially crazy people or anything like that. And I still was hooked and still enjoyed it and still looking forward to the next season. So super well, excited to be getting into this. Thank because you. Because they're so wholesome, Linda. Like this they're first so season. Wholesome. Like everyone is everyone is still together. It's all lovely. By the time you've reached season four, you kind of want to pull your own eyelashes out and someone else's. And you're just like, ah, like, it's just, there's so much anxiety ahead, but it's good anxiety and bad. Oh dear. Well, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for uh, coming on and doing this very long episode to talk about season one of uh, 90 Day Fiancé. Is there anything that either of you want to promote or let the listeners know about? I don't think so. Thank you very much for having us on. It's been lovely chatting about 90 Day Fiancé. Um, yeah, listen you... to Pod of Mercy. <laughs> listen to Pod of Mercy, that's the thing. Aww. You don't do anything else interesting. You just convince <laughs> other people to listen to your podcast. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank you. And as I said before, I'd love to have you guys on um, your own episodes, not to do with 90 Day Fiancé, and have a chat with you about something. What yet? Yeah, I don't know. I will figure it out. And then I can do a rapid fire with you guys as well. So that will be good. Um, I don't think rapid fire is good for me, but yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll do. We'll just do um slightly rapid fire, so that it's like you have a bit more time, so it's less anxiety riddling or ri- mm. ridden. Oh, guys, it's been a long day. All right, so... anxiety has ridden us all. <laughs> as far as me, tune into what's politicking you off, um, which goes uh, it's, it's live on the Sarcasm City YouTube channel at three o'clock every other Saturday. We rant about all things politic politics um the next episode should be this saturday coming up by the time you're listening to this so please go tune in also tune in to the talk about it network live special at the end of every month for a wrap-up of the hottest news and viral stories check out uh at pod of mercy on twitter and instagram and please rate this podcast on itunes we shall see you in two weeks bye bye, bye.